Oh, Dang, see, it's quiet in here. You forgot how quiet it was, didn't you? Wow. Listen to that. It's storming outside right now and windy. And there is almost no noise. Just listen. I can't even hear your garage door and, going down right and now. And you forgot how comfy these seats were, didn't you? I say that because I forgot how hold comfy on, these seats on. were. Okay, you can't uh, lay down on the job. I'm going to fire it up. <laughs> this feels so good. All right, it's Lightning and Holman. Hold on. Let me uh, put my seat back up. Lightning Holman, uh, Truck Show Podcast, the number one truck enthusiast podcast on the internet. My name is Lightning, he's Holman, and we are in a Nissan Titan XD Platinum Reserve. So here's the thing. Nissan, because they're so awesome and gracious, said, guys, we know you are moving the studio, and we know you probably need a pickup truck, and you haven't been in a Titan in a while. So why don't we send you down a Titan XD so it'll help you in uh, your move? And we said, that would be great. And then we are a week later and we went, we don't have a studio yet, so maybe we can use our Titan XD because it's quiet. So I thought... Are they okay with us using this as a studio? Yes. So I thought it would be funny-ish if we drove around and did the show (laughs) since we have no no home. We have no studio for at least like three more episodes. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, let's burn one of those inside a uh, Titan XD. uh, We can't record it inside your home because you have a loud child. And I have a new puppy. She was loud, and now she's going to bed right now. Uh, but if she hears us working, she, she'll pop she'll up and, po- yeah, yeah, and barge in. Which is why the pod shed's in the backyard and mm-hmm. not on in, in the garage or something like that. So the new studio is awesome. You actually haven't seen it yet. And it's uh, the sound editing that's in there right now before the drywall and stuff is actually really good. And we haven't even done the ceiling. And when you walk in, it sounds almost as dead right now as this Titan XD does. I doubt it. No, you'd be. It's you'd, pretty you'd damn be, quiet in here. It is, I know, but you will be surprised. I think. Do you'll me be a favor. Surprised. Do me a favor, real quick, and uh, roll back the shade so I can see the moonroof open. It's not panoramic it's sunroof. Panoramic sunroof. That's exactly what I was looking for. Well, don't open. I don't want the rain to come in. Well, let's you, just. You uh, wanted to see it. Open. Well, I want you to retract the sunshade. No, you're opening the rear window. Well, there's so many buttons. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's uh-huh, there. there I'm closing that one. Oh. No, now you're letting the, the rain in. Now you've just oh look, the roof is open and it's actually raining on light. This is the funny. Sunroof. Okay, now close okay. the sunroof. Well, I'm gonna do that here. This is not good audio right now. It's funny audio. <laughs> All right, there. There's the shade's Holman's going back. It. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, uh, enough of this craziness. But mm-hmm. we are going to be doing the show from the uh, the inside of this Nissan Titan XD. So special thanks to Nissan. And of course, uh, if you are looking for a new half ton or half ton plus truck, you'll want to check out the lineup of Titans. And uh, listen, five year, one hundred thousand mile warranty. You know what I find amusing about this truck is What's it. That? I was just turning on my seat warmer. Sorry. <laughs> I said, you know what's amusing about this truck? What's that? Is it used to have the five liter Cummins in it as an option, and now they have the five point six liter endurance. Yeah. But if you listen to it on the outside, it still sounds really similar to the old diesel. And I don't mean that in a bad way. There's certain things you hear, and you're like, "Is this the gas truck?" It's just very burly. Well, we're gonna have to get the exhaust note as you rip down. No, it's quiet. No, as you're conservative. No, is it really conservative? This the half ton I think is way noisier. This is like all right. Well, then let's go for it. Let's pull out. Hold on, it's gonna ding at me. I gotta put on my uh, seatbelt. Hang tight. This is the. uh, Just gotta set the mic down for a second. This is the road couch. This thing is like the truck you want on a uh, you know on a cross country road trip, and. it's really super right, comfy. Buckled in. Here we go. All right. Oh, is there is that a TRX behind me? Should I hit it? Do not hit that, please. All right. Here Dang, we go. Close. All right. Excuse the uh, rain noise. Here we go. Here's an exhaust note. 
don't know how much they can hear, but that was loud. That was nice. So the exhaust is super quiet until you get on it, and then uh, then it mellows out. All right, roll up your window. You no, I wanted to get another exhaust. No, note. we're not doing that. We're doing a show. No. Okay, NissanUSA.com. If you want to uh, check out or build and price the uh, Nissan Titan, Titan XD, or even the Frontier, or you can go down to your local dealer where you can uh, check one out in person, the way Lightning is right now. All right, Holman, I'm looking over at the dashboard in front of you, and I can see quite a bit of data. All right, so this truck is equipped with a lot of pressures, temps, etc. But what if you have a truck that's maybe a little on the weak side when it comes to data? How do you supplement that? How do you see your exhaust gas temperature, maybe transmission slip, stuff like that? What would you do? I would go to uh, bankspower.com and I would check out the awesome iDash gauge, which allows you to uh, record or take a look at hundreds of parameters or view up to, what is it, eight pages of... Five pages of eight per page. Five pages, so 40, so 40 different parameters can be visible. That's So you can display 40 parameters and you can choose from hundreds. It's up to you which 40 you want to display. Now you can choose like just two per page or eight gauges per page. It's infinitely customizable. You can change colors, layouts, it displays more than any other gauge for its price. And if you get the data monster, it will data log. That means it will record data. And how do you mount them? Oh, how do you mount it? It's two and a sixteenth inch, 52 millimeter. So standard. It's standard. Yeah, round pillar gauge. Pillar pods, yeah, and gauge pods, like, I mean, and A-pillar pods. Any pod, any gauge that you've ever had that's round, it fits in that hole. Or, of course, Banks offers pillar mounts, suction mounts, all sorts of stuff. Go to bankspower.com and check out your iDash. All right, well, before we uh, start the show, we're going to remind you guys that this is uh, episode one of the rest of our lives. So uh, <laughs> this is literally is the- this season two? Th- th- this is for episode one of season two. So if uh, you haven't been listening- uh, uh, and you're jumping in now. This is the beginning of uh, us owning the podcast, and uh, this is going to be the uh, first day of the rest of our lives. Sounds bittersweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's, I think it's I think it's just sweet. I think it is cool. I think it's rad. We should start the show right after this guy cuts you off. Move, move. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. What the truck Cause truck rhymes with The truck show We have the lifted We have the lowered And everything in between We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel And the ones that run on gasoline The truck show The truck show The truck show It's the truck show With your hosts Lightning and Holman how about that? The uh, the same intro you uh, have come to love. Nope, it's not changing. It's your same old truck show podcast. It's just uh, come on, it's just ours now. It is ours, but don't downplay it. It's an awesome jingle. It is an awesome jingle. That's what I'm saying. We didn't change it. I don't want our listeners to fear change because it ain't happening. It's the same old normal rut we've always been in. <laughs> what? No, ever? How come you compliment us and then you? It's like backhanded every single time. It's not a rut we're in. Except we we're, choose. I can make another jingle. I like that one. Except we're in a uh, Nissan Titan XD uh, podcast studio right now. Yes, we are trudging right. through the rain. You are driving a little fast. You realize that, right? I'm not driving fast. It's Forty miles an hour. Okay. All right. Man, it just soaked up that pothole like no problem. All right. It's time to get into Jason Worley. I met Jason a few years back. Jason is the epitome of an entrepreneur, and you'll find out why after we dial him. All right. All right. Well, I'm super excited uh, for this guest. We recorded this interview uh, before we got into the truck, so why don't we play it now? How do you feel about talking some diesel? 
I'd rather talk to an entrepreneur. Well, it's the same guy, diesel and entrepreneur. Well, that makes it easy. Let's call him. So, uh, let's not do that. Really, let's not be pukey DJs. We, I didn't do pukey DJs. You almost did. Well, no, I was right on the edge. You were on All the right, edge. hold on. Let me yeah. change that. All right, do it. All right, Lightning. That sounds swell. Let's go, coach. Give him a call. <laughs> hey, champ. Let's kill two birds with one stone. Oh, champ. What do you say, sport? You want to give him a call, tiger? Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. Yay. Dial and That's... smile. No, you ruined it with dial and smile. Oh, it was totally I did. fine right, right up to that right. point. Oh, yeah, it's true. I, I tank. Hello, hello. Is this uh, Mr. Jason hey. Worley? What's happening? This is. Is this also the uh, the mayor of DeKalb? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I feel like you might be. I heard he was the ambassador for DeKalb. The ambassador? No. No, not that either? No. Okay. I'm staying out of politics. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. Hey, uh, Jason, before we talk to you, we've got to play a quick intro, so don't move. Hang tight. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What does it take to be an entrepreneur? Quit your job and get a loan. And don't let anyone tell you you can. Go into debt and don't look back. Don't worry, there will always be another crappy job. This is what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I feel like there needs to be a yeah at the end of that. No. Yeah. No. No. Why would there be a yeah at the end? Just yeah. No? Who recorded that one? Uh, uh, we've got a group of uh, contributors. That, yeah, uh, we've got jiggles. a few. Yes. Have you heard <laughs> half of them? I've heard a few of them. Really? Oh, you have? Oh, which ones? Wait, let's see. Um, have oh, you... like, don't ask me to recite any. No, no, no. I'm going to go through the list here. Because there's some real gems we haven't played in a Innovator while. Innovator Motorator. Uh, um, we've got two versions of that one. We've got like a metal version and a country version. Uh, old-timey Shop Talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we got In the Club, which is like Ice Cube. We have... Uh, Guess the Thing. Parts Department with some uh, uh, some soprano singers. Know Your Note. Uh, Inside Job. Truck Five Famous. Star Hotline. Yeah, Truck Famous. Oh, Truck Famous is one of my favorites. Do you think you Jason Worley is he truck fan? I see people on their toes. Yeah, you know what? I, hold on a second. I think he might. He, let's see. Let's try it on. See if it fits. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Try this on for size. Here we go. Here we go. Truck famous hero star VIP ace big wig hot shot truck famous big shot big deal big gun big cheese heavyweight superstar truck famous. That's what you are. Right? I, I think it fits. I feel like that fits. That would, have been a, that would have been a better intro for us tonight. <laughs> um, Are we right. just going to burn all of his uh, time <laughs> yeah. playing jingles? Yeah. I think he's I'm more just, valuable than that. I'm delighted that he knows any of them, and I just want to delight him <laughs> further with uh, ones that we haven't played in a while. You're just impressed that one of our guests actually listens to the show? Well, I don't think he went as far as to say that. He said he heard some jingles. We play the jingles early on. He could have bailed out, like, you know, a, a third of the way through at any moment. All right. Well, I guess we can get on with, like, interviewing and doing whatever now, it is we do. Now, this is not the first time that Mr. Jason Worley has been on the program. I interviewed him, I think it was at uh, two, three, four years ago at- Pick a, uh, pick the, a year. No, two, three, or four. I I don't know what it was, okay. but it was hot out, and it was in uh, it was in Florida. I think it was uh, Daytona was, Truck Meet. Yeah, Daytona Truck Meet, twenty nineteen. No, pre COVID. Someone. Oh yeah, pre COVID. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, it was twenty one. I was, can't remember. They I don't know. They weren't in Daytona last year, so it was the year before that. Oh yeah. So it's it was been 21. in Homestead for one or two years. So one, I don't know. One but year, yeah. I do remember there was a lot of COVID going on, and yet we just kept shedding our. Uh, they were going Whoa. around with the cart saying, "Put your masks on, or we're gonna have to shut this down." And we would put them on for five minutes and then take them off because we were Florida. in Florida, so yeah. it didn't matter. It didn't matter exactly. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, Jason Worley is one of the owners. It's he and his brothers that own Worley Custom Fab, and you'll find them online at wcfab.com. And he started. 
as an enthusiast, and I wanted you to tell your story. We did it briefly, but that, again, that was years ago. How you got into diesel performance, and then where you are today. And we weren't joking actually about being the mayor of DeKalb. He just he's broke actually, ground. Well, he's actually the commandant of uh, oh, the DeKalb. Com- oh, yes, the commandant. Yes, <laughs> but like uh, he just broke ground on some massive freaking building that's like largest in the city out there. I don't even know if it is, but <laughs> it's very impressive the facility. So start at the beginning and take us through. How'd you get here? Well, if you got a few minutes, because it goes back a little ways, and I like to tell stories. So. Oh, cool. You know what? Um, <laughs> we, we're uh, we're going to let you run, and then uh, Jay and I are going to go uh, grab some sodas and some popcorn, and uh, we'll, we'll be back. Which part do I hit to play the tunes when I need to take a break? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess it started, it kind of started, obviously, when I was younger. I've always been a motorsports enthusiast. I was, I was big into snowmobiles, go-karts, dirt bikes, four-wheelers growing up. Um, I actually raced motocross, uh, four-wheeler. I raced ATVs for about seven or eight years throughout high school and after high school, state champion a couple years in a row. And that's kind of what got me started in, in the diesel performance, honestly. It, it's, it started with buying a race trailer that uh, was a little too big for my mom's Suburban to pull in 2006, I think maybe it was. I was in high school. I was about a year. I hadn't didn't have my driver's license yet, and I bought a trailer because I was just that big into racing, and we needed a trailer to get around. And you know, we were, we would leave on Fridays and come home on Sundays, kind of thing. And uh, didn't have a license, but I bought a trailer. Um, Mom, Dad took me around all over, and it was a little much for the suburban. So when I got my license, um, a couple months after getting my li- well, I had a job before getting my license. Worked my ass off. Worked a lot. I worked and raced. And, so what, uh, what, what were you doing? What was the job that? Because you had to have flexible hours because racing takes up a lot of freaking time. Yeah, racing was weekends. Like I said, racing was every weekend all summer long. You know, we, we raced from, from April 1st uh, pretty much through the end of October every year here in the Midwest from when the snow melted to when the snow started falling. So I had a job. I worked part-time after school at a machine shop, actually, which is where I learned, learned a lot of the valuable aspect, assets that uh, has gotten me where I'm at today in my business. So I was maintenance, did maintenance work at a big, uh, big machine shop, uh, working on equipment, everything from TIG welding to running and fixing machinery. And uh, so I, I worked a lot, both for my dad and doing that. My dad uh, was a carpenter. So we've been, we worked, uh, grew up, um, myself and my brothers around woodworking and carpentry. So we were working with our dad ever since we could, you know, go to work with him in the summer, you know, eight, nine years old, we'd go to work with dad all summer. So been saving money for a long time. And when it come to getting my license, junior year of high school, sophomore year of high school, first thing I bought was a diesel pickup truck because I needed a diesel pickup truck to haul my trailer around. What'd you buy? So I had it all figured out. I knew exactly what I wanted. And it was a 2002 Storm Gray LB7 crew cab short bed. I knew what model I wanted. I knew the, the body style. I love the bubble nose LB7s. And I had to have Storm Gray. And they only produced those in 01 and 02. And I loved the Chevy with the bubble nose hood. So I knew what I wanted. And I, was, I, I got my license. And it was a month after getting my license. I, me and my dad uh, flew out to Nebraska from Chicago. We, we live, we're, we're west of Chicago here in the suburbs. And we flew out to Nebraska and I, I bought a pickup truck. And uh, what did it have? It had, uh, I think, 70,000 miles on it. How'd you I find it? Was this like Craigslist or uh, the recycler this, back no, then? They was <clears throat> no, they had the internet back then. He's not that young. The, okay. we, <laughs> or, I mean, we worked on the internet. <laughs> it, was, it was before Craigslist. It was... Uh, it was probably Auto Trader or something online, but okay. it was a lot of time online looking until I found what I wanted. Found this dealer out there 
And they probably thought I was crazy because some 16-year-old kid was calling him 17 maybe at the time. I'm, I'm coming out. I'm flying out to buy this pickup truck. And they're like, okay, sure. <laughs> so we flew out there, me and my dad flew out to Nebraska, and I drove home my first, my, my first Duramax. And that truck I still have today. It's kind of been the icon of the business, and we still have it. We actually truck pull with it um, every summer. It doesn't get street driven. It hasn't been street driven in a long time because how things always go performance wise, they eventually hit a point where they don't turn back and they, they don't ever go back on the road. And mine hit that a long time ago. So I bought my first diesel. And at that time I didn't buy it because I was a diesel enthusiast. So I say, I mean, I knew trucks and I was gearhead, whatever, but it's not like I got to have a diesel and I want to go soup it up and do crazy. I got it cause I needed to haul my race trailer around. So I did that. I bought it and I continued racing. I raced pretty steadily for several more years. And then it, it was a couple of years after that, I started hanging out with some other local guys in the local community that were big diesel enthusiasts. And at that time, you know, you're talking late two thousands. So, you know, you're L guys with LBZs and, and LOIs and stacking, stacking programmers, you know, the old, the old bastard stack, they called it. The, <laughs> the uh, bastard stack. <laughs> what was that? The, it was the Quadzilla and uh-huh. uh the edge at quadzilla and edge i think and uh guys like uh tts and kennedy diesel and some of the some of the bigger names back then in the very beginning i guess you could say that were starting to tune that were tuning them and doing crazy stuff and one of my good friends actually uh his name's jeremy moss he uh was in the diesel power challenge in 2006 and he was a local guy here that my family knew and i knew him but i didn't really ever think anything of it well, I ended up going to some truck pulls a couple of years later, you know, after having this Duramax and then I started getting into truck pulling and that's when I started meeting all the local gearheads and it was downhill quick from there. I, I think I blew the head gaskets and blew up the transmission <laughs> and the first summer of truck pulling and we were just tearing it up and the racing was starting to slow down at that point was busy, busy at work and just getting more involved with truck pulling had another good local buddy, Jake Thompson that I went to high school with who was had also had an 01 Duramax that we were, you know, pulling more regularly. It wasn't really a street truck. It was getting more serious. And because of my job where I was at, I had access to a lot of equipment and machinery. So we started building turbo kits and, and, you know, adding turbos and, we did a straight axle conversion on his truck because truck pulling, we were always You know what I was doing when I was that age? Throwing rocks at your <laughs> uh, neighbor, my neighbor Robbie, Robbie Joyner? Yeah, no, yeah. no, I was uh, putting baseball cards on the spokes of my mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my mod, guys! <laughs> I'm yeah. totally going to jump that. that curb. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so I guess I was probably 19 or 20 at this point. And please we please tell me you pretty... made time for women. You yeah, have a girlfriend yeah, at that time? Had, of course we had, yeah, we had girlfriends. Right, I met good. my wife when I was uh, 21. Uh, we got married about two years ago, so we've well, been together congrats. a long time. Congrats. Um, so I was busy. I worked a lot. I mean, through high school, I I worked 40 hours a week when I was in high school practically, and I didn't have much on the weekends because I was racing a lot. So I worked my ass off for a long time, and uh, obviously it's paid off. But nonetheless, I got carried away hanging out with friends and blowing shit up, and it turned into – me building stuff for all the buddies in town with trucks. And, you know, we had to rebuild our own. We didn't want to spend money. So we were rebuilding our own transmissions and doing our own head stud jobs and fixing everything we broke and yada, yada, I suppose. And all this time it's out of my, at my parents' house. Still, I had an apartment at home that we built above my dad's shop. So I didn't have to live in the house. Me and my brother lived in the apartment, you know, so we kind of did our thing and we had a little uh, two car garage that we were able to do all of our work out of. So, 
the whole story goes, you know, if you go on our website and read our about us page, it, it started in a two car garage in say 2010 or so 2009. And that's, that's really essentially where it started. We worked on a lot of trucks out of that garage, tore a lot of transmissions out on our backs and built a lot of turbo kits in that, uh, in that little shop with some tiny saws and, and little, uh, little farm and fleet welders, you know, how, how it all starts for every good story. I'm trying to remember all this. And I haven't told this actual full story in a while. So at, at some point you decide, I got to take this, I got to make it legit. I need a brick and mortar. I need a storefront. I need a shop space that's not a two-car garage at my parents' house. Yeah. I'm working full-time at this job. I decided after high school, I, I tried college out. I'll admit I'm a college dropout. I didn't finish college because I was more concerned about working and making money. So I, I did the community college stuff for two years and was just bored with it, took, you know, your general stuff. And I just, it wasn't my thing. So I just went to work and I kept working and, you know, parents weren't very fond of that, but we made it happen. We, we made it work anyways. I'm still working my full-time job at this machine shop and right across the street, a little, uh, a little shop opens up for rent. You know, it's a big building. It's got seven or eight units in it. I think, you know, a bunch of 2000 square foot shops. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to rent this little shop here. It's right across from work. So I can pretty much get off of work and go right to work within a couple minutes and, you know, save that half hour commute from home. And we're going to start a little shop here. And it's not it's not too far from home, but it's close enough that everyone we know is still going to bring our trucks up. We're still going to work on our stuff. You know, it's going to be the same crowd. So that was 2011. Let me guess. It lasted six months before you outgrew it. Well, it was, it was about a year. Yeah. It was, it was winter of 2011, 2012. We moved out of mom and dad's garage and they were excited as hell because their yard was full of trucks. <laughs> there was always trucks moving you know, there's always a mud hole because you're parked off the driveway. You're in trucks are parked in the grass. Things are dead. We're using four wheelers to move dead trucks around and pushing them in and out of the garage and mom can't park inside. And you know, same old song and dance when you're a kid wrenching on stuff at home. And uh, I was so uh, never experienced house. my mom, her ire for me uh, taking up the garage with one car and lots of parts while her and my dad's cars were in the driveway. Never once did that ever happen. Really? It oh, happened all the time. Oh, <laughs> in the garage, it was- my, mo- my mom said, you know, you're like a cat. You got to piss on everything you own. It's true. <laughs> now, my, pa- my parents' two-car garage, I turned into a car stereo installation shop. I had pegboard on an entire wall. Were you making money, and, though? And I had, Yeah. See, that's my problem. I didn't make any money. I Dude. just took up space. Dude, so all the ca- when I was a junior, they thought I was a drug dealer. They thought I because I was rolling. I had cash and well, stuff. Well, my neighbors and think was, that anyway because I always have weird cars yeah. and out of state plates in my driveway. No, but then friends would pull up and they're like, "Wait, dude, you have an entire wall of metric kits. Like I could put any single DN stereo in any car. I had every kit, like all the popular ones, hanging on pegboard, ready to go. It was uh, anyway. So I didn't mean to take it off, Jason. But yeah, it's funny how <laughs> we do have similar stories. I, I think just think it's yeah. important for the listener to go. Oh, I relate to that. I exactly like those three guys. Every one of them. You know, pissed their parents off by taking up space in the driveway. And <laughs> my dad, my, I remember too, because my dad bought a brand new like Jaguar XJ6. This blue and you like put it on the street, Dad. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm parking in the goddamn garage tonight. Get that piece of crap Accord out of there. I don't care how big the stereo was and how much he's paying you. I'm like, Dad, it's got two 18s in the back. He's like. Two what? <laughs> Two eight? Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, so just so, didn't quite grasp it. <laughs> <laughs> so you move so, into this uh, this two thousand square foot spot. Yeah, and we uh, we actually we moved in and we actually built a built a pulling truck that that winter from the ground up for a customer friend of ours. We were real real big in the truck pulling scene. I mean, we're in the Midwest. Truck pulling's huge around here. We're all country boys. You know, it's it's farmers. It's truck and tractor pulling around these parts, and and that's what we did. 
and uh, we we worked on a lot of a lot of pulling trucks for friends and a lot of street trucks, you know, doing your your triple pillar gauge installs and and exhaust systems and and you know you're a lot, a lot of plug-in tuners back then, a little EFI live, and we're doing some transmission builds. And by the way, we who, were building stuff at that time. Who back in the day won the gauge pod wars? Was it the dude who had a triple stack pillar on the A pillar and then had those? Remember, Autometer had that like. Mickey Mouse ear yeah. binnacle that would snap over the street. Yeah, is our neighbor now. Our meters are in Sycamore. They're, they're ten minutes down the road from us. And they're then our you're neighbor. Like, I got five gauges: three on the A pillar, two on the steering wheel, and then you're like, and then it I was, got three under the, the console. Dodges. Yeah, it was always the dodges. You could always put like eighteen gauges in the dodge. <laughs> it's like a Peterbilt when you get inside. What's that one do? I don't know, but it looks cool. And it's funny because uh, uh, Autometer is still on that tip because they bought Gauge Works. Like that was their competition and for gone. a minute. Wipe them out. No, they didn't. They they bought them and now they just sell Gauge Works pods. So they have every pod you'd ever want and every A pillar and all well, that back stuff. Then you could get the you could get the factory match gauges too. You know, you got yeah, a, factory oh, match. Or, or if you were a baller, you the factory match setup. You did the uh, the white or silver. Back ones, the you know, white the, ones are always my favorite because you're like, oh yeah, my gauge is white twos. background. Phantom twos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So we moved into that shop. Um, we're building stuff at that point. I mean, WC Fab was the name because we, if somebody wanted something made, we built it. I was building, you know, at that time, intercooler pipes, turbo down pipes. We were building twin turbo kits. You know, adding S four seventy fives over the factory charger. Um, yeah, it was kind of the staple of the company back then is there, there wasn't a lot of manufacturers offering, you know, the added turbo kits at a production level and, you know, the internet forums are big. So this is when we're on diesel place and Duramax forum and, and, you know, you got your, your handles on there and you get to know people and selling product through the forums pretty much, you know, Facebook was around, but you didn't have Facebook groups and you weren't really selling product on Facebook. It was all the internet forums and word of mouth, you know, we were building turbo kits and and wrenching on trucks essentially. All right, I have a question for you. Do you ever see any of those original customers or trucks come in or something like something old that you did early in your career? Yeah. And it comes we, back and you're like, still, what did I do? Every now and then and we all joke about the old version of this and the old version of that because things, you know, things improve over time and the designs get better and we manufacture things differently. And you get something in and I can look at it and say, hey, that was built in 2012 because we started doing it this way in 2013 or that kit was done in 2011 because of this or because you, you know, obviously I'm like, I'm, I'm the, the history book of the company and I could tell you when everything changed for the most part or, or when my brother, when this brother started working for me and I can tell you that Ryan built that part and that my brother Mitch would built that part because I know when that version was built and you know, when we were building it and who was building them at that time, because at this time, my older brother, Ryan, He's, he's working construction, but he gets off work every day and, and comes works at the shop too. So he's working part-time. My one, one younger brother, Mitch, is still in high school or just graduated high school maybe and was going to college, and he was working part-time. So the brothers were all working for us at this time, and it's like you bring that up, you see, you see a picture of somebody like, hey, I've got an old turbo kit of yours, and they send you a picture, and it's like, oh, you have a piece of history, not just an old turbo kit. You know, that's that's a really old one. Now, now if, and that's always cool to see now, that if, stuff. Jason, somebody rolls in and they've got, like, one of your very earliest, like, uh, I don't know, uh, turbo kits or uh, uh, piping systems. Wybridge kit or something. Wybridge kit, and you're like, mm, we weren't really happy with that one. I'm going to swap just, that yeah, out I'm for just a gonna, new kit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you no, ever, we've like— We've done that before. Yeah. We, we have, to be honest. We've had trucks come in and— they're coming in, maybe they're coming in for a motor build or a rebuild because it's long past due. And, oh, I've had your parts for years and 
you know, we're in the what he really meant was decades. Motor. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, we're gonna get you, uh, we're gonna get you into the latest and greatest here because I don't even want to put these parts back on because we got such better stuff. You for just you. pull them off the customer truck, powder coat them gold, and then give them out as an award at the company party. <laughs> put, put them on the history. Well, yeah, wall put them in the, yeah, exactly. Put them in the museum. Now, so Jason, yeah. when all right, so you got your brothers working there. You're still in this shop, and you're you're about to blow through the walls because you're outgrowing it. At what point did you go from just bolting turbos on and larger piping and all that stuff to like wanting to better understand it, working on a dyno and then understanding what the turbos were doing from an engineering point of view? Because I think that's when well, the that business starts to mature. Okay. We, I've been, I mean, I say this like it's some big deal and, you know, you compare it to, Gail's history and it's nothing or, or all these other guys that have been doing it a lot longer, but I was, I was engine dynoing. We were engine dynoing stuff even before the business started 2000, 2009, I think was the first time I went to the engine dyno. Oh, okay. And that was part of me getting hooked because these, I had these buddies that went, that were big in truck pulling and you know, you got to go to the engine dyno if you're going to be serious, you know, you can't do it on a chassis dyno. So we were engine dynoing stuff and it was 2009 or 10, I think. Uh, when we were taking stuff to the engine dyno, I think that's what it was. I guess I'm trying to remember, but, and we've gone every year since, um, with the pulling truck engines and trying different combinations with, you know, tuning injectors, turbos, you know, doing all that stuff, just trying to make the most of it. So that makes a lot of um, sense. I, I didn't know that about your history. And I think that's, that's an important uh, differentiation because your competition wasn't doing that. Your competition just bolt it on. Like your competition was out there just buying a turbo not really understanding the matching and just putting it together and seeing what happened and wondering yep, why there was they, a lot of that for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's so many companies that make you can buy Chinese turbos freaking on eBay right yep. now, and and you don't really know what's going to happen. And a lot of guys use it, and they that's part of the fun. It's like Russian roulette. I, I mean, yeah, yep. I suppose so. But like, <laughs> but the problem is, is that the guys selling them think they knew what they do, and then the guys putting them on are they're usually and most loud of the talkers. Stuff- most of the stuff we were doing then, I mean, it's, it's nothing like, I mean, the kits we've built in the last five years or even the stuff you do today, like it's, it's on a whole nother level of extreme turbo wise versus back then. It was, it was pretty basic. You get a, your box Borg charger with the big turbine housing and, the and the, you know, 96, 88 turbine wheel and the 75 millimeter cast compressor that, that nice $600 Borg cheap turbo. And you throw it over the stock charger and everything's pretty happy in most cases on on all the earlier Duramax platforms. Uh, obviously, it's not necessarily the best for the VGTs. You're definitely gonna run into some drive pressures, but for a simple cheap bolt-on add a turbo kit, they worked really well. And you know, we weren't engine dynoing that stuff. We were engine dynoing the competition pulling stuff, big single chargers. But I was actually, you know, hand in hand with that, I met Nick Pregnance, uh, Calibrated Power Solutions in 2010, 2010 or 11, roughly, right when the business was starting. Cause he's local to us, you know, he's, he's uh 45 minutes North of us and he's had a name in the industry as far as tune and Duramax is for a long time. Obviously he's been in business since 07, I think. I think he was there and for kind of the birth of EFI live yes, in, in the U S he was, right? he was yeah. a beta. He was a beta tester with EFI live with, with all the other guys. And I met him and he pretty much, he's done all of our tuning and been a, been a part of, you know, our success in regards to, he bought turbo kits from us back then. He saw what I was doing and I was just some, you know, country boy in his garage building turbo kits for his buddies. And he's like, who the hell is this guy? You need to sell these. And, you know, he, me and him worked together a lot in the very beginning there because he was already established with his business and uh, had a name in the industry. And he actually sold a lot of turbo kits for us there in the beginning. And, you know, 
kind of pushed me to take the step and say, Hey, it's time to take this gig full time because you got something going here and you know, we can help you sell these things. So he was a big part of it and he's been a good friend of mine for a long time. And you know, we, uh, we do a lot of business together still to this day. Yeah. I mean, Nick's, yeah. Nick's been a guest on the show a couple of times and, um, you know, I know that, um, he's, he's an important name in the industry. Where were you getting, where were you sourcing the turbos? Were you getting factory Borg Warner turbos? Were you buying them new? Were you getting replicas of certain turbos? Oh, no. How did you get into that? We've been a big thing. You know, my business has always been built on, like, we've always strived to be, you know, we're made in the USA. We're not outsourcing garbage. We're not using garbage. And, you know, you go on our website now, you see any of my YouTube videos today, and it's all about made in the USA, and we take great pride in that. In the craftsmanship, the material, the products, the powder coat, the everything about it from design, test, engineer, everything in-house in the USA. And even back in the very beginning, you know, I bought as much stuff as I could from, you know, U.S.-based companies or people within the industry. I was buying turbos from, you know, Industrial Injection, High Tech Turbo, you know, all the names you still know of today that sold turbochargers. And today I know Borg is changing things and a lot of things are moving overseas and you but at the time, you know, a lot of the Borg stuff was still made in the USA and, you know, whatever, you're going to deal with that with them bigger, bigger corporations and, and whatnot. But we've always been a big proponent of made in the USA and, you know, USA production. And I did my best even from the very beginning to try and promote that. And it's always been a big thing. You know, a lot of guys in this industry are hardworking blue collar guys and, you know, a lot of guys that are union workers and, and understand the made in the USA and they'll spend that little bit of extra money to, to support, you know, a, a USA quality made product versus a lot of the shit out there today. You and I both know is, you know, not the nicest stuff. And a lot of it's overseas and just garbage. No, I know. I guess what I, what I meant to say was not where you were sourcing it as far as location of countries, meaning you weren't at that time when you started casting your own aluminum you know, uh, compressor housings or turbine housings, no. et cetera. I mean, castings were are really expensive. You know, ten to fifty thousand yeah. dollars for a casting. So that's what I wanted to find out is how you were engineering those parts together and that that situation. We were really old school. Um, you know, it was it was probably 2015 or so before I actually started getting into uh, casting and designing our own parts up in before 2015. We were old school. We get a truck in the shop. We build it all in hand on the truck. I didn't. I didn't have an engineer at my disposal. I wasn't an engineer. Um, I didn't have CAD programs. We we bought we bought tube bends and we cut them up and we made things fit. We saw cut them until they fit nice until the joint was good enough. It could be TIG welded together, and we made things. Everything was one off custom. And you know, it's kind of where the name derived from. You know, Worley Custom Fab. Like. Today, people look at it, oh, it's not so custom because you can only do this, this, and this, or they only have these catalog of parts. And, you know, I kind of, I kicked myself in the ass a little bit for that because when it started, it was legit custom. Like, it was one-off. There wasn't one that was alike. Every single one was was special built and, and special made to your specs. And obviously, as the company's grown and volumes have increased and production has increased, you got to narrow what your offerings are to be able to do it efficiently and to be able to offer it at a, at a price that people are going to pay. I don't want to say it's worked the custom word out of it, but it's the roots of the company is that's what got us to where we are is everything was special and one off. And, you know, it still is, obviously, and we've got our own our own symbolism of, of what makes our product ours. But in the beginning, it was there wasn't one turbo kit that was alike. 
<laughs> whether that was planned or not. And they all had names. Yeah, it's just how <laughs> no, it was, we, man. It we, was just how it was. You know, it wasn't full time. I didn't I didn't leave my other my other job at the machine shop in maintenance. Oh, it was late 2013. Um, so there was a good three, three and a half years where I pretty much worked myself to the ground. It was, I was pretty brutal. Honestly, I, I worked the one job I was, I was first shift. I worked 6am to three, 6am to four and I'd get off work and I'd grab a bite to eat and I'd get back to work in my shop and I'd work at my shop till midnight, one, two in the morning. And I'd on the way home, I would be driving home. There was a local powder coater at the time. I dropped off a couple boxes of parts every night at the at the door of the local powder coater in the middle of the night. They would get them there in the first thing in the morning. I'd drive home. I'd get a couple hours of sleep, and I'd do it all over again. I did that five days a week and Saturdays, too. And I would take vacation time at work just so I could work at my job. You know, my vacation time didn't consist of going on vacation at this point. It was I went on vacation because I had so much work to do at my place. I just I had to go do that. Like I said, it was brutal. It was, there was some years there where I look back on it. And I don't know how I did it. You know, just obviously when you're young, it's easier. Nowadays, I don't think I could go on three, four hours of sleep like I used to. <laughs> I had a similar experience where I was doing that with, uh, I, I worked at the radio station. I had to be at work at 4.45 in the morning. I generally leave around 6 p.m. at night. Then I'd go down to my clothing store and we would print shirts um, or I'd stock the shelves talk to the manager, do the books, and then I would drop off uh, blanks at a local screen printer at midnight, and then I would get up and I'd have to be at work the next morning at 4.45. And so, I did so is that, that what you're going to do with our news? <laughs> this is, I'm just finding this out, that uh, that Lightning has this work ethic, and uh, I'm going to ask, is this what you're going to do when we do merch? Uh, I'm going to have to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, the, our listeners don't know what we're planning yet. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah. So there's, or they there's might by the time they hear this. I can't the bag yet. Hmm. Okay, so where we left off on your story is that you're growing out of the first 2,000 square foot unit, and you're you're, you're getting bigger. And where are you now? Yeah. And when do we end up in this so, massive building? Well, there's a few stepping stones between there and where we are now because it it really blew up after I finally took the jump um, and left my job. Like I said, it happened sometime in late 2013. It was three and a half years or so, four years or so, running the business. And I had enough. We were so busy. I had my girlfriend at the time, wife now. She was working for me part time. And I had like three or three other guys that were pretty much full time. I had a mechanic full time. One brother was part time. And then uh, another brother was pretty much full time at that point. And we were getting busy. We had a lot going on. And it was just I couldn't couldn't handle the, the double jobs anymore. So I finally made the split uh, from my other job and went full time. And then it was not a month after that, our neighbors right next door moved out and we're like, oh yeah, cha-ching. So we didn't have to move. We were able to knock a hole in the wall and uh, essentially take the adjoining 2000 feet um, building next to us. So we were just ecstatic. We're full time. I think at this point there might've been four or five of us and we just took over the building next door. We just doubled in size. We had, you know, 4,400 square feet or something, two nice little, you know, 150 foot square off, fair square foot offices. And it was doing great. <laughs> so we're building stuff. I'm, we're buying some equipment, getting some iron workers, getting some brakes, getting a couple ma- manual mills and lathes. And we're, we're able to make more parts. I've got a local friend of mine that's got a machine shop that's uh, been machining stuff for us that we can't handle on the manual mills. 
got a couple nice TIG welders, got some MIG welders, got a couple lifts going. You know, we got a legit shop going here. It feels like something. And then it wasn't six months after that. You know, we might have gained a couple more hands at this point. Maybe there was six or seven of us. Uh, the, the next door neighbor from us from there moves out. And instead of taking over another 2,000 feet, we took over 4,000. The middle unit was a double unit. So we doubled the size again and less than a year later. And it was 2015 or so, mid-2015, we, we had 8,000 square foot here in this building. And we're just doing great. Everything's going awesome. We're working a ton. We're having a lot of fun. We're truck pulling in the summer. We're busy. And we got yeah, maybe seven, seven or eight guys working How for us. How many thousand and, square feet? It was 8,000 square feet. Our podcast studio is 120. <laughs> Just square feet. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm listening to a story and I'm thinking, hold on a second. I think as we grow, will our shop be ever be that big? No, you and I will physically grow. <laughs> but our, I mean, do, all we need is a desk and two microphones, my laptop, my sound uh, four, effects, my computer. Four, yeah, four microphones. We have trucks. Trucks, trucks take up a little bit more room, especially yeah. when you got projects that are sitting there all the time. Yeah, and lighting. Equipment coming in. Yeah. So the end of 2014, we were in 8,000 square feet. It was going great, but we're out of space again, and I'm starting to look for a bigger building because the the next two guys in the building, they've been there since the building was built, and they weren't going anywhere, and landlord didn't want to sell, and I didn't want to kick them out if I did buy it, so it just it wasn't going to work, so we needed to find more space. But this was our first big move in the worst time of year in the Midwest to try and move a business is in January, let me tell you. I've done it three times now. Every time we move is in the middle of winter, and uh, not ideal in the Midwest. So we found a building uh, about 35 minutes away. We moved from Sugar Grove, Illinois to Sycamore, Illinois. And I found a building that I thought was going to be my forever home. It was 22,000 square feet. So we almost tripled in size in 2015. Hey, do you have any room there in DeKalb uh, in the corner for a little <laughs> podcast? We don't take up much space, we about do. 120 square feet. Hey, if you want to move from California to Illinois, <laughs> be my guest. We'll give you a space. <laughs> So we made our first big move. We moved, uh, we filled up the whole shop with a couple trucks. All of our buddies helped. And, and we moved in the middle of winter time. did it in probably a, a week's time at that point. We didn't have near as much stuff to move. And we moved into our new building at this time in uh, Sycamore, 22,000 square foot. We moved in there and I thought, oh my God, we got so much room. We're going to rent out this back unit. It was, it was 22,000 square feet, but it was three units. So they were like 7,500 each. And I thought, I'm going to rent out this back one. This 14, 15,000 we got here will be plenty. And then about three months later, I decided I should start powder coating in-house because we were, when we moved from Sugar Grove to Sycamore, our di driving distance to our powder coat shop doubled because the powder coater was the opposite direction. So every day we were driving an hour one way to go to our powder coater. And we're at this point, we're taking you know, a, a truck bed full of parts every day to get powder coated because everything that we're building gets coated before it can ship out. And I'm like, this is not going to work. This is too much back and forth. And my, one of my younger brothers was going to school for auto body work. And I said, what do you think about powder coating? And he didn't know what powder coating was much at the time. Checked it out. Like, yeah, sure. Let's try it out. So we bought our first powder coat equipment in, uh, in, uh, the spring of 2015 and by summer 2015, we started our powder coating business and brought all of our powder coat work in-house. And that essentially took up that last 7,500 square foot. So six months after we moved in, we were not renting it out and we were using up the space and doing our all in powder coating inside now. 
So that was, that was a big step for us. It was a lot of big equipment and a whole process we brought in house. And that was, that was a pretty cool thing we did. And it's wild today. I don't think any of your customers know that there was a time that WC fab didn't offer uh, custom coating because that is such yeah, a, I mean, an important piece of the business today. It's huge. I mean, it's really, it's, it's what brings the people in, you know, if you're building a show truck or even guys that are going for all out performance, they still want to, they still want to be picky and, and they have a color they want or a scheme they're going with on their project and their truck. And I got to have this shade of that or whatever. And we've always offered it, but until we brought it in house, that's when we were really able to get custom with the different combinations of colors and a, and a wider variety. But the biggest thing for us was being able to bring the quality control in house you know, it's, it's, it's the paint job on your project and it's, it's what the final, it's what the customer gets to see in it. It's, it's what makes it because, you know, you can have a, a beautiful body work done on a car, but you get a paint job and you ruin it, you know, the same concept. So bringing that powder coat in house was a huge thing for us. And we were able, obviously one of my brothers running that shop, you know, his, his name's on it just like mine and take great pride and, you know, very important that, it is of the utmost uh, perfection. Yeah, I mean, so you're, the, you're able, you're able to use you. I remember you were one of the first guys who were using prismatic colors, right? Prismatic yep. colors. Priz. I'm sorry, Priz. Priz. Yeah, as our friend Priz. over there says, yeah, you got to call Priz. You weren't at the mercy of whatever the powder coat shop had. Maybe you wanted red, and they're like, oh, we're out of, we're out of Priz, and we we're gonna sub it with some cardinal red, and and mm-hmm. Jason will never know. And then you're like, ah, oh, crap. You know, <laughs> well, we deal with that a lot. Stuff that didn't match. We, I said I wanted this color. Why doesn't it match? Oh, well, we used a different brand. Well, that that's not the same. You can't do that. <laughs> right. So now you control it. Yeah, and that was a big step for us. Um, so we we were busting. We were we were kicking ass. We were in the new shop. Um, I think when we moved in there. There was ten employees at this point, ten or twelve, and we just blew up at that point. I think we still didn't have a website where you could buy product online. We're still taking all of our orders over the phone. My wife and a receptionist at the time were, were full-time taking orders over the phone. I was still doing a lot of tech support. I was still a salesman at that point. So I'm working in the shop and I'm taking sales calls and, you know, I know the product the best and I'm still selling in uh, 2015, 2016. Who the hell is doing your bookkeeping, by the way, who's paying your employees? My wife, I'll show it. I'll throw it out to her. She was, she was my girlfriend at the time. She, she did the books. She took phone calls, took orders, and she helped ship. She was a, she did all kinds of stuff. That's super smart <laughs> to uh, date your bookkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're a small business owner. <laughs> hey, it's, it's still working out. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're killing it and we hire, we're hiring a lot every year. Um, at this point, my fourth brother is about to graduate high school. I think 15 or 16, he graduated. I feel like we're going to find out that Jason's got 16 brothers. Yeah. And then (laughs) they just, they just keep coming out of the woodwork. uh, Oh, is that what your parents told you where they came from? (laughs) The 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 mailman, the FedEx man. Uh Uh Um, We're just plugging along and we were in this shop and then it was 2017. We finally launched a website uh, where you could purchase product online, got hooked up, hooked up with web shop manager and, and built our first website with an online store. And that was a game changer for us because it didn't require business hours to take orders. You know, you could take orders all weekend and any night, any time of day. That really made a big difference in, uh, you know, sales. And, you know, we're still doing our staple product, you know, Duramax, Wybridge kits, uh, Cummins, second gen turbo swaps, intercooler pipes, traction bars. Uh, so you're making all these parts. You're selling them as fast as you can make them. 
And at some point, you outgrow this 20-some-odd thousand-square-foot building, and you decide, I'm going to go and lay buy some, DeKalb. I'm going to go buy the city, the town of DeKalb, and I'm going to lay down a uh, some concrete that stretches from one edge of the uh, town to the other edge of the town, and I'm going to put a tilt-up on it. <laughs> well, you're getting ahead of yourself there. You missed, There's one more shot between them. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> <laughs> we've been in five buildings in 12 years, so we're on, uh, we were just talking about building number three in Sycamore. We launch our website, and we can't keep up. There's shipping's out, out of room. The, mechan- the performance shop, as we call it, where all the mechanics work, we're out of room. The fab shop's full. Powder coat needs another oven. There's, okay. there's no All room right. anymore. Stop, stop, stop. For one second, Jason. Let's think about this for a second. I know you, you're, you're, the parts are great, and the custom colors are awesome. What can you attribute the explosive growth to? What hole in the market were you filling? I mean, at the time, and, and even today, Al, I, I still feel there's what we do. Our product line is a very niche product line. We have competitors, don't get me wrong. But- we don't have 10 competitors I and mean, we, we hardly have five competitors in our, in our market. And the, the, the type of product, the quality of the product, the fitment, the fitment was always a big thing back in the day is you could buy stuff, but you pretty much had to rebuild it to get it to fit. And it drove me nuts because I dealt with some of that product and we've always tried so very hard and we're still human. Like mistakes happen. It's still hand fabricated stuff, but we've, we've always strived on trying to have the best fitting product top it all off with a custom color powder coat that is, you know, out of this world in color options and, and quality and all of that together. And then when the website launched and I think just the brand awareness, I mean, we started marketing a little bit. We started, you know, you get a clothing and apparel and going to shows and, you know, the ultimate call out challenge started and you're going to Shides and you're going to PRI and you're going to different diesel events that are going on and setting up a booth. We started doing all that around that 2017, uh, 2018 area, which I look at it now, that was only four years ago, five years ago, but that's when we really started pushing. Um, You know, we had the manpower, we were able to to push, you know, before then it was, we could barely keep our heads above water. And when we started marketing is when things really exploded and then it's like, oh my gosh. And that's when in 2017, the website launched, all that stuff's going on. We need more space. So we started looking again for another building. I told my landlord, hey, sorry, I was going to buy this place, but now I'm not because it's not big enough and I don't have any room to make it bigger. So that's when we moved to DeKalb, to our first building in DeKalb. Luckily, it's only about 10 minutes down the road. So it wasn't it wasn't a 40-minute trek in the middle of winter because we moved shops again in January, best time of year to move in Illinois. And we moved from Sycamore to DeKalb. Unfortunately, at this time, there was not a lot available in the real estate market as far as shops in this size like you could find everything all day you wanted for 10,000 square feet and DeKalb is full of 100 and 200,000 square foot warehouses for distribution there was nothing at 30 40 50,000 square feet which is which is what I thought I needed I thought if I can get 30 or 35,000 because we're in 22 now we'll be good to go so I found a building in DeKalb that was 35,000 square feet and uh we thought it was going to be great so we we bought that building up and we moved in in January again, like I said, and that was 2018. And we thought that was great. We bought another powder coat oven. We bought another powder coat spray booth. Um, we bought a, a wet booth so we could do all of our ceramic coating for all the exhaust components in-house because we were still subletting all the ceramic coat. Damn, um, dude. So we brought, we, we brought that in-house. 
And then the other big thing that happened for us in 2018 when we moved into this building is when we bought our first CNC machine. I had mentioned earlier my one, my youngest brother, he had graduated school and we, we actually sent him off to school to do some computer programming and uh, CNC courses. And in 2018, we bought our first CNC machine. We actually bought two. We bought a, a lathe and a mill in 2018. And my youngest brother, Chad, runs a CNC shop now. So we moved into this new building in DeKalb. We had CNC machines. We had more powder coat equipment and we had bigger space for fab. We had more office space for salesmen and, and marketing and, and admin. And we had a bigger performance shop. Everything was going great. It was awesome. Uh, we we're just, like I said, it's just things are going great. Busy as can be. And that's when we put up the big concrete pad. Now where you mentioned earlier, your, your story, the building we're in now, that's what happened next. Ah. So we, uh, we, we, we were in that building in DeKalb on Harvester Drive, uh, 35,000 square feet. We were in there for – every building we were in was about three to three and a half years. And then this February, January, January of – again, I, every time we move is in January. <laughs> January of 2022, we moved into our, our current building, our, our big building. Um, huh. In 2020 – January uh, of 2023. <laughs> Lots of January, January stuff happening. In, in uh, the summer of 2020, a lot down the street went up for sale, and it was like 12 or 13, 12 acres. And the building we're in now, we didn't have any room to expand. So I knew if we were going to keep growing at the rate we were, we got to kind of start planning ahead. So I'm now, just, did you, you know, put a roof? Mentality. Did you put a roof over the entire 12 acres, no, or did you leave quite. any for like a backyard? Only three of the acres. Only three of the acres are under roof. Not all 12. <laughs> no, so. So I knew that I had to start kind of planning ahead because we were already filling this place up, especially with the addition of the CNC equipment and the extra powder coat. I was starting to plan ahead. So we, I bought this piece of property and any sort of construction at this scale, it takes a long time. I started talking to realtors and, and contractors and they said, you know, you need 20, 24 months to, to uh, build a building of what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, I better start planning. So I bought that property in, in 2020, in the middle of COVID. And obviously when COVID happened, it's like everything blew up even more. People are spending all their all their checks they're getting and people are sitting at home and just spending more time on the internet ordering shit, it seemed like. The sales just went through the roof during COVID. Um, and we were busy and didn't know what was gonna happen, but I bought a piece of property and started planning the new building. And we had our 10th anniversary in 2020. We actually held a, a big truck and tractor pull on our property in uh september of 2020 and uh the week after the truck pull we started moving dirt and we broke ground on our building in that september and then the following year 2021 is when construction actually started and essentially the year of 2021 is when the building was being built and we moved in in january of uh, 2022 and when were you elected mayor of DeKalb? <laughs> when did that happen? So, the mayor visited us when oh, we moved in. No, no, and no, did no. Our ribbon cutting. He, I, I did not become the mayor. That's right. I'm sorry. He is. He is the chamber of commerce. Oh, he's oh yeah, really? the entire chamber. chamber of One commerce. Man, yeah. Really. <laughs> we actually. You, you keep talking like we're the biggest ones in DeKalb, but in 2021, we were we built a 112,000 square foot building on our property. That's what we're in now, and that was like the the, it was only the fourth largest building being built in DeKalb at the time. Our neighbor is Facebook 
and and Amazon and Ferrara and you know there's we that's have a huge... thousand times bigger than this room. <laughs> yes. yes. And there, there's like three million square feet of new building that's been built in in our area uh, where where our shop is. So there's a a ton of uh, industrial buildings in our area, and we're we're just a little peon, really. Our building fits inside of these other buildings twenty times over. But it was still huge, and you know. I hope you I'm have time so to take your wife on vacation. Oh, we've been on vacation. Yes, don't get me wrong. <laughs> we we take some time away. So yeah, that's where we're at now. We're we're moved into the new shop, and obviously, I mean, you check out our YouTube channel, and we've done shop tours. We had a big open house this year, um, where we had the place open and had a bunch of vendors and and did a truck show. We had a hundred. I'd go do that. Show what are you doing that again? It was good. Yeah, yeah. We're well, talking about doing one again. We might do one another year or so. I don't right. know if I want to do it every year. It was Let a lot us of know. Planning. Let us know. If we can make it, it was, I'd love to go out there. And I had, I had some friends that actually went out there, and uh, they said it was a really good event. Are you bearing the headline yeah. about having friends? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple. We had people from all over made the trip. Uh, we had we had guys drive close to 20 hours that made the trip out to it. Listen, Lightning and I, I cool both stuff. have vehicles that get 10 miles to the gallon. We'll Rochambeau for it. And uh, well, that's a perfect vehicle to take across the country. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> I would freaking fly. We're, we're gonna fly. It's like when we went to Miami, we'll just do that again. Oh, um, yeah. So, at, at what point do you start taking on other manufacturers' products? So, for example, you know, you've got transmissions, you have uh, it's not just the Whirly product now, you've supplemented with uh, in you know, fuel injection systems, etc. Yeah, I mean, over the years, we've built relationships just like anything else. I mean, when you're selling turbo kits and Y-bridge kits and, and intakes and everything else, like, oh, I needed some injectors, too, or I need a CP3 pump, or I need tuning. I mean, everything goes along. You know, we've got a really good relationship with, you know, Exergy Performance over the years with our fuel system parts. You know, as I said earlier, uh, calibrated power solution with a lot of our tuning. And, I mean, we do everything from Jeep suspension lift kits to – you know, Cognito lift kits on trucks, you know, we've got an alignment rack and tire equipment and, you know, we've got a 3000 square foot clean room, not 3000 square foot, it's like 2200 square foot. The size of my original building is like the size of our clean room where we build our engines and transmissions now. So to give a perspective of the building I started in 10 years ago is now the size of the building that we just do our engines and transmissions in, which is pretty cool. So we do a ton of Allison builds. We do a ton of motor builds for Duramaxes, you know, stock rebuilds performance, uh, truck pulling stuff, all that in-house, uh, local machine shop that does machine work for us, but a lot of assembly on our own. Um, when we moved into the new building, our, our biggest issue over the years is with our volume of orders is being able to keep up on the powder coating side of things. And some of our downfalls that we've had is, is long lead time on our product. Someone places an order and it takes, you know, you know, 30, 40 days to get a product because it's just so much backlog in the shop. And I'm proud to say we finally gotten over that hurdle and we've got, uh, we've got six ovens and four uh, powder coat booths uh, in our new shop. And on top of ceramic coat and sandblasting and everything else we do, but we've actually finally got the equipment and the manpower in our powder coat division where our lead times are back down to you can place an order and, and get it in two weeks which we haven't been able to do that since 2000, probably 14 or 15. It's been seven or eight years since we've been able to do that. So wow. we're really excited in the new shop. We were able to increase production capacity so much that we're able to, we've got product on the shelf now, which we've never been able to do almost, you know, everything up until the last six months, if you ordered it, 
it has to be powder coated or it has to be built. Now we've got enough manpower and enough uh, production capacity. We've got every one of our top moving product on the shelf ready to be powder coated or we have it on the shelf in some of our popular colors ready to ship out. It's, I mean, so, we've got it, stuff. it's so funny that Jason, like, so you and I, we, we have some of the same uh, resellers, right? Internet drop shippers, stuff like that. And some of the little guys do. So I, I know two guys that are both auto shop teachers and by night, they're Facebook sellers. They go on and they lurk in the groups. And the minute someone yep. says, I'm looking for a Pearl White WC Fab Y Bridge, or I'm looking for the intercooler pipe or system, Pearl whatever, White whatever it is. Ram horn. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So they want a, um, a, a Monster Ram. Right, a Banks yep. Monster Ram in white. We've got a, we got pallets of them on and, the shelf. And, and that's exactly. <laughs> someone will go like, "Dude, I've got three of them in stock," and it's like a feeding frenzy. What I'm saying is, there's so much fervor over your product, so much fervor yeah. over, uh, over getting it because yeah, there was these long lead times. So once someone actually got a pallet of your stuff, it was a feeding frenzy. Oh yeah, it's gone before it hits the floor most of the time. Our dealers, we got a lot of great dealers. Um, we got a lot of great vendors. I mean, and suppliers too. I mean, there's a lot of big names in the industry. Like I mentioned, Cognito and Banks are two of them where we buy their product raw just so we can put our custom color on it because the guy that's buying our whole high flow bundle package for their Duramax or Cummins, well, I want the Banks intake horn or I want the uh, upper control arms for my Duramax in the same color. Perfect. We got them on the shelf. We'll powder coat them with the kit and it all ships out together. Or I want to throw them in with my traction bars. You know, traction bars are another big thing for us. One of those longstanding products that we've made from day one that we still pump out today. You know, we, we ship, you know, dozens and dozens of traction bar kits a week in dozens and dozens of different colors. And it's wild to be able to do it all in-house. I mean, to think that you can, my brother Mitch, you know, there's dozen plus people that work in the powder coat shop. We got an excellent team back there. But, you know, we got three guys, four guys that powder coat that just spray powder. That's all they do. And we spray, we can spray 20 colors a day sometimes, you know, 30, 40 racks of, of product because of all the different color variations. It's, it's absolutely wild. It's a rainbow sometimes walking through that shop or it's a day of WC Fab Red and it's just a hundred or 300. Looks like a murder scene happened there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, you've seen the pictures. I send you stuff sometimes when we got eight or 10 banks horns hanging up in all different colors and they, oh, yeah. they'll pay extra to have the bank sweaters in a different color from the horn, or they'll pay extra to have the, the WC fab logo because it's, it's just so customizable or they've got a, they've got a plan. They, they've got an idea on what they want their truck to be, or I've got these gold, gold accents on my, on my truck there and I want them under the hood. So I want to do the gold WC fab bo- uh, logo. And when we do that kind of stuff. And Dude, it's, it's, it's awesome. such an undertaking. So <clears throat> people ask us why why we don't do it in-house at Banks. And it's just such a massive undertaking to do that work. For me, it's just easier to say, go to, go to Jason. He's got these things. Yep. And he'll put it any color of the Skittles rainbow. Hey, there's something I want to touch on really quick. I'm just curious. You're in the performance space in diesel. Mm-hmm. We can't not talk about emissions. I'm just curious oh, yeah. how you are handling it. You've been to SEMA, you know the talks, you know CARB, you know the whole process. Where is Worley in this equation? How are you handling it? I'm proud to say we've we've been ahead of the curve for a while now. I mean, we've we've all seen it coming. And as much as I I don't want to always feel like it's a big thing, the WC Fab name is 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 bigger in the industry. It's not like we're a nobody. Um, we're not on the, it's not like we're not on their radar. I'd be stupid to think that, 
you know, they don't know who WC Fab is. You know, we've been making product and everybody and their brother talks about us on every Duramax and Cummins forum. So, you know, years ago, obviously, the we, we've seen it happen. You got friends that own shops um, or friends that work at other shops and you hear about it through the grapevine. Oh, so-and-so got a visitor. So-and-so got an RFI. And and you knew it was coming. And we're not dumb. We, we go to SEMA, like you said. We, you know, you, you listen to the speeches and, and you see all the amendments that the epa gives out and all the talk and and all the fines people are dealing with and it's scary shit. it's uh you know I'm, I'm supporting 50 plus families on top of my own family and all my brother's families it's it's not like I, this you can't be stupid about it here like we don't want to be doing something so dumb that we got to close our doors and i got to lay off and and put 50 people out of work like that's the last thing i want to do and i i've gotten ahead of the curveball years ago we, we started changing our, our scope of our product. You know, like every diesel shop back in the day, we all did it. There isn't a diesel shop that, that hasn't, and they'd be lying to you if they, they say that they didn't because everybody did it back in the day, just like everybody cut catalytic converters off of their cars in the 80s and 90s. It, it's just, it is the thing, and we've all moved past it. We've learned. We've watched people go down around you, and if you're smart, you're going you're gonna to make a wise decision, and you're going to, you're going to get ahead of it and, and change. And we've done that. We've, we've actually discontinued a lot of product as of lately that, you know, was in the gray area, you know, trying to do it proactively. And we've actually spent a lot of time um, in the last year, two years, probably now redesigning and redeveloping and re-releasing um, updated versions of our product that we've been known for, but emissions compatible. You know, you've got, I've got three, four, four engineers on my team that are constantly working on new product development and redesigning and improving of old existing product to bring it up to WC Fab standards of today. Because I'll be honest, the way I built parts or the quality of parts I put out the door in 2010 isn't the same as the quality of parts I put out the door today. It's, it's much better. It's, it's tenfold better. And sometimes that older product gets left in the dust and you got to go back and and then talk about, you know, do we just discontinue this or do we revisit it, update it, make it better and, and really re-release it. And we've been doing a lot of that lately and we're really excited and really proud of some of the new product we've got coming out in 2023. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming out. That's going to be some industry first for our type of product where it's emissions compatible. It's maybe not 50 state legal hasn't gone through the hoops at carb yet, but you know, Nick and myself, saw a hole in this industry SEMA's the only company you can go to to get your product certified and after SEMA you know you get a 49 state certified fairly easy through SEMA and you got to wait for carb and you got to go through the hoops to get the 50 state legal so Nick and I uh, a couple of years ago or a little over a year ago now decided that you know we need to make the jump here and and get into some some stuff where we can get the equipment and, and do some of our own testing and do some third-party testing so we we hired a uh, a guy that has some industry background, let's say, and some industry knowledge and some chemistry and, and, and backgrounds and that type of stuff and bought the equipment. And we're able to do testing just like SEMA now without the lag time of months and even up to a year or more to be able to put a stamp of approval on our product that it's legal to sell in at least the 49 states before you go through the hoops with CARB. So you know, we've got a, a company we're, we're going to be getting ready to announce here uh, pretty soon. We've been doing testing for a while on our own stuff and doing some validating and slowly starting to do some testing for some other guys to be able to put a stamp of approval and, you know, reasonable basis for the EPA and, and make them happy. 
uh, while you, while you wait for the backlog at, at carb, because it's, it's unbelievable that you got to wait a year after you spend hundreds and hundreds of hours and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars designing a product, then you can't sell it because you got to wait for the government to tell you it's okay to sell. We saw a niche or a hole in that and, and we set out and we got all the equipment and we've got the dyno and we have a third party company that is able to do testing just like SEMA so that we can put a stamp of approval on our stuff and get it to market and sell it with at least knowing it's 49 state legal and meets the reasonable basis that the EPA wants to see. And that's huge for us because otherwise you're kind of, you're shooting in the dark, hoping that they don't knock on your door and whip you with a big fine because you can't prove to them that this product you made is legal. It's scary. I mean, it, it sucks. I'll be honest. I've lost a lot of sleep for years now trying to find out the best way to work around this and, and expand our product offerings and our product lines to different brand, different markets, different trucks, different types of products that we, we never produced in the past. And we do now just to try and we want to keep our guys busy. You know, I've, I'm proud to say I've never laid anyone off in uh, 12 years of doing business. Hey, uh, when you launch your new company, will it be something of interest with our truck show podcast audience? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's not something that your end consumer probably gives a shit about uh, because most of the end consumers out there have the F the EPA mentality, but us business owners, us manufacturers and our resellers and distributors, you can't have that mentality because we're the ones with our ass on the line. I think we're employees. changing that. I, I, I think I'm over simple. the years of the podcast of education and, and warnings and, uh, well, fateful st- storytelling I, of people so, so, been on the wrong side of it. I think that that, that mentality is slowly changing. But I'm asking I because agree. I would love for you to come back on when you're ready to talk about the new business and uh, and and give us an update and we'll we'll have you back to yes. talk and tell the audience about it. I'm sure Nick and myself would both be interested in doing that. We awesome. put a lot yeah, of, we'd love to have a Nick back on. A lot of time and a lot of money and getting it up and going. And anybody who's ever looked into doing any sorts of emissions testing to the standards that the EPA looks for knows it's not a cheap endeavor and it's been a battle but we've gotten it and we've got the right guys working on it and on our side with it. And it's awesome. Like I said, the consumers might not care so much about it. I agree with you that people's ideas have changed. They've seen guys like Corey Willis go through the they're going through and know that it's serious. It's not just and move on because it's a big deal and it affects a lot of people. I mean, we all know it's a very huge industry, the performance aftermarket and, it's not going to just go away. We've got to shape and mold, unfortunately, to meet the government's demands. You know, we all got to pay taxes. I have a question. So their rules. I, I'm dying to ask this. So, and I do agree with Holman. This is lightning. I agree with Holman that we are one of the few that are trying to shape the conversation, right? Saying that if you guys want to kill the diesel performance industry, then keep saying F the government. Because eventually yep. the government's going to win. Why? Because they can outspend. More money, more time. Because they can outspend more all resources. of us, right? They have infinite resources. Take everyone 100%. to court and bury us. But let me ask you this. You are known as like the guy that was building the big horsepower, winning the races, and you were part of that quote unquote delete crew, right? So now it's on you to help spread the word and explain to the F, the EPA guy What's the conversation like between you and the guys like, Jason, I want this device that's going to like, I don't care if it if it rolls coal or I don't care. Like F the man, blah, blah. How do you have the conversation? You're like, I'm not going to jail for you. Like, what do you what do you say to this guy to convince him? And he needs to come up into 2023. You know what I mean? Believe it or not. I mean, you see all the keyboard warriors and you see all the guys talk online and 
the all the all the FP, FDPA guys and the conversation actually happens a lot easier than you think. And, you know, we've got a sales team. We got half a dozen guys that are on the phone and dealing with people face to face on a daily basis. And honestly, it was it was a big hurdle to try and get over that years ago when we put the kibosh on doing that kind of stuff as far as deleting trucks, quote unquote. You know, that's we haven't done that for years. And everyone thought, oh, my God, we're not even going to have any work. Like, what are we going to do? And it was like nothing really changed. Like you had the conversations and the guys carried on. They either went somewhere else and got it done by the other guy down the street. That's probably out of business now. Or you sold them on the intact tuning and all the other product that we still sell that you can still make power with and still get better fuel economy with and still, you know, pop the hood and have something to show off. Like the conversation actually happens a lot easier than you thought you would. And it was a much easier transition than we would have expected. If you would have asked me this question four or five years ago, I would have laughed at you and said, oh, yeah, that's never going to happen. But obviously times have changed and they've changed quickly. And it's unfortunately it's taken this big impact in the industry for people to really get the big picture. But the more you talk about it and guys like you, you know, podcasts like this and and people that are vocal about it, it, it makes a difference. And I'm proud to say, you know, honestly, we we did emissions intact stuff a long time ago. Uh, we built twin turbo emissions intact turbo kits. There's still a video on YouTube in my very, very beginning of this story, that first 2000 square foot shop in 2013, I built a emissions intact twin turbo kit. 630 horsepower on an on a LML Duramax. EFI Live came out for LML, I think it was in 2013. It wasn't, but a couple months after that, we had built a twin turbo kit with all the emissions intact on that truck and it was making over 600 horsepower, but nobody gave a shit about it back then. Nobody cared about it. Nobody wanted to buy it because it just, the market was so different then. Well, and, and I think part of it, it too just, is, is there's the, the, the measuring contest, right? They're not impressed with the acumen of engineering that went in to make that happen because back then it was all about rolling coal and to like Gail Biggs' point. And we got like yeah. no credit for it. Like there was no interest. It was, and it wasn't just me. It was Nick. Calibrated power is a huge yeah. part of it. I mean, tuning a setup like that, emissions intact. Crazy. On, let alone on a brand new model that was never going to be cracked. And you, it know, was, you were ahead of like, your time is the problem. And people like Gail had said for years Every time you blow black smoke, it's wasted horsepower potential because that's unburned fuel. And part of yep. that education started there. And I think people today are more tech savvy. Part of it is because the trucks themselves are more complicated yep. and have forced people to be more tech savvy. Part of it is government regulation has required the trucks to be more complicated. So you need to understand. I'm excited how the truck- to see the change, though, because yeah. I know it can be done because we did it nine, nine, yeah. almost 10 years ago, nine and a half years ago. We did it. Yeah. But no one bought it. And it was like a slap in the face. Like, well, all that effort, it went for nothing. Well, you have to remember to to back it up again. We did it again in 2015. We took a 2015 LML and did it again with an emissions intact twin turbo kit. It had a CP4 stroker pump. It had oversized injectors. We made 740 horsepower emissions intact on an LML Duramax in 2015. That should be part of your story of what you guys have accomplished over the years of the company and be like, we were the first to do this. We were one of the originals. If you go back and you listen to like, and not to have like the, the Jason and Gail story here, but when Gail was working, he and another guy were lobbying CARB back in the seven, late 70s, early 80s. No one cared. Like literally no one cared. Gail's like, I have a feeling that if we don't try and get ahead of this and get 
emissions testing set in stone at CARB that they won't, we'll never be able to make equipment that will ever pass. The only people with pockets deep enough to make aftermarket parts or any parts for diesel will be the OEs. And no one cared. And then, and it got so bad that just a couple of years ago, there's memes about Gale and he's the man, he's the guy in Scooby-Doo that they unmask and he's the, you know. Oh yeah. You know, like. The page turns and he's the, he's the enemy. He's the enemy. Like it's all of that. And he's like, dude, if it weren't for you guys, you back you know, 12 years ago or whatever it was, making an emissions compliant compound turbo system or Gale in the 80s fighting for this, this would never exist. But you got to be the punching bags every once in a while. Yeah, it sucks. I know. Again, I, everyone gets depressed talking about it. And, oh, my God, can't delete my truck. Like all my trucks, aside from the actual trucks that we race in truck pole, they've all got emissions on them. And we drive them around and like, I enjoy a quiet truck that doesn't smell like whatever. It still makes 700 horsepower on the street. It's wild. It's a blast. Like we we're still making mid 700 horsepower easy with bolt on components and tuning and emissions intact and still decent regen cycles. You know, it's not like you're regen every 200 miles. You're still going five, six, 700 miles on a regen. You know, it's wild. And we're kind of excited because, you know, we had to recently shut off some of our twin turbo offerings that we sold as race only components, but it's, again, it was that product that fell in the gray area that, that doesn't qualify. So we just bit the bullet and said, we can't offer no more, but we're excited because we are taking these turbo kits. Like I said, we, we did it in 2013 and we did it in 15 and it, the, the project got scrapped. We built like a dozen kits and we couldn't hardly give them away. People didn't want them, but we're taking that product and we're going back to the drawing board and we're bringing it back up to today's standards and our our design and our engineering and our new equipment. We're excited to re-release in the future, in the near future here, hopefully, compound turbo kits that are legit, that have a green stamp of approval, that are 49, even potentially 50 state legal. And a guy can actually go buy a brand new truck and put a turbo kit on it and say he has twin turbos and be happy because there's still plenty of guys out there with brand new trucks not everyone wants to delete their trucks. All the guys that want to delete, you know, they talk loud on the internet and I'm not, I'm not talking bad about those people, but they make the biggest noise. There's way more people. There's just as many, if not more people that are way more happy with an emissions intact truck, way more people. And honestly, the headache that you're avoiding, I mean, the factory trucks come with so much power now, really the issue isn't the amount of power they put out. It's drivability. And if you can improve drivability and give a guy a, a little bit of a, a bragging right, and they don't have to worry about emissions and the headaches that come with that, you're you're winning right there. And they, of course, you got a boost gauge that needs to hit sixty too. Well, that too, <laughs> that too. Well, dude, thank you for coming on because that's a ton of information. Uh, I want to talk to you when your next venture is ready to be discussed because we'd love to have you and Nick on. I think it would be awesome. Yeah, I think there'd probably be a lot of shops out there that I mean, everyone. You, you read and you talk about if you're a shop or a manufacturer about how scary it is to work with SEMA and the, the cost of it and the lead time and the moving vehicles back and forth. And, you know, we've got a fleet of vehicles between myself and Nick. We, we believe we're going to be able to come in a little more affordable for that than SEMA comparably. We're not running quite as big an operation as them and offer another alternative for these manufacturers that maybe aren't the size of my shop or the size of, of banks, but the small time guys, but they still need to get their product stamped so they can sell it. And we're hoping that we can be a, be an option for those guys to get something done a little quicker and a little more affordable in the near future here. And I'm excited to talk to you guys about it when we're, when we're ready to give more detail. 
Jason Worley doing the Lord's work. And also being the mayor of DeKalb. Yep, yep. Being the mayor of DeKalb. Lord's work, uh, mayor, mayor of DeKalb. If hears this podcast, he's going to be concerned. <laughs> we'll invite him on. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, dude, stoked on the success. Glad you made uh, the effort to uh, come on and uh, let us uh, waste that valuable time that you have. Hey, you know, it wasn't a waste. I know I've been trying to hook up for a while here and have a show, and it hasn't worked out. It's uh, 1130 here where I'm at, but that's no big deal. <laughs> we'll still make it happen. It's not the first time you stayed up this late working. so Nope. It certainly isn't. My wife's not concerned. She knows. She knows that's just how I am. It's it's how it goes sometimes. Oh yeah, mine's in bed right now because she goes to bed at mm-hmm. about eight o'clock, eight thirty. Yep. Mine too. And uh, we Doesn't do a podcast late at night. She's yep. like, I don't care how hard you're working. Yeah. Yep. Just don't wake me up just, when you get home. Yep. Nope. Tippy toeing. <laughs> We're leaving in the morning. We're leaving in the morning for PRI. We got a big show ahead of us this weekend. We're excited about, and it'll be a good time. Awesome. Awesome, brother. All right. Have fun, and we will uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks a lot, guys. It was good talking to you. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. See you. Later. See ya. Hey, you have a Chuck E. Cheese on your block. Look to your right. What do you see? I have a... Oh, Mexihanas. Look at that. Oh, that used to be an old uh, Taco Bell or something, right? Back in the day? No. I don't, it was... Uh, I can't remember. It wasn't it's a Wiener It's got an A-frame roof. Yeah, but it wasn't... That's not what it was. Was it an OG Wiener Schnitzel? Nope. It's a different building than a Wiener Schnitzel. Hmm. They had ice cream and stuff. Was it Tasty Freeze or something? Oh, that's know. the Tasty it's Freeze. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, Real tall A-frame style building. Hmm. What else you got around here? Look around. Oh, no way. No freaking way. Two blocks from your house is a Wiener Schnitzel. I think people have missed that uh, the old studio was so close to Wiener Schnitzel, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that they miss Wiener Schnitzel talk. <laughs> they miss us talking about Wiener Schnitzel so, eating chili dogs? So I'm I have rolling a feeling down that, the that's, here that's not the case. Because I think this is what we're going to do. With season two and trying to test out you know, new uh, ideas and new segments, Inbox and Chili Dogs. I'm down for that. And uh, if they don't like it, we won't do it again. But right now I'm really hungry <laughs> yeah, and we're too. driving around. So All right. Uh, what are we going to order? Yeah, can I get uh, two chili dogs? Beef or regular? Uh, regular. Two chili dogs, okay? I will do uh, two chili cheese dogs. Okay. And uh, two regular Dr. Peppers. What, what about fries. fries? Why don't you get the combo? You gotta get the combo. What are you, high? All right, can you make those a uh, uh, combo? This guy's not enthusiastic to have us as clients. Yeah, two number ones, but one with cheese. I mean, that was one a... One cheese and one more cheese. Correct. Uh, Dr. Pepper. That'll do it. Great. Thank you. Damn, I forgot coupons. Dude, here's the deal. I was trying to protect you from yourself, and you had to go ruin it with fries. What are you talking about? Protect me from myself? What? Yeah, what? you don't need to be any fatter. I want fries. I'm at Wiener Schnitzel. The problem is that this place is far too close to the new podcast studio. Yeah, it is. So oh. we're going to be completely freaking fat. You think the guy serving our food at Wiener Schnitzel knows that he's in the presence of podcasting royalty? Uh, I don't think I'm even aware of that fact. How about podcasting court jesters? Okay, thank you. All right, uh, I am ready for a chili dog and some email. What do you say? Let's do it. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. (laughs) 
nice hot fry. Oh my god, those are hot. Oh, those are fresh. Damn, those are hot. Woohoo! Whoa! Fresh. Dang it! Those are right out of the fryer. All right, this has nice, bright LED white lights in here, so All I right. can read really clearly. Uh, Patrick Hines says, congrats, email for DistroList and show ideas. Hey, guys, just wrapped up the final embargo show and wanted to, first of all, say congratulations on the new endeavor. I've been a loyal listener since show four or six or something around there and eagerly listening weekly while on the road for wireless tower construction sidewalks. Thank you for the free entertainment, which I look forward to weekly. Anyways, figured I'd throw out some show ideas for the new year with the changes coming. You touched on AIM Industries a few shows ago, and we all remember the FBSS setups for $4.99 with their 40-page ads. Some deep diving into that company or the mini truck scene in general. First car truck was my 98 S10 regular cab fleet side. Sadly, no bags on my high school dry cleaner job salary, but eventually got to a 2-3 Beltec drop with ZQ8 coils on some nice 18-inch wheels. Beltec, solid. I'll never forget the call from my college mailroom when I got leaf springs and spindles delivered to my dorm, telling me they had no way to get them over to my room, and I had to come pick them up at the loading dock. APC would also be some fun history of rising and falling, not failing, because I still to this day love me some clear corners and tails. Oh my god, APC was like way before Spider and Dude, all those other brands. APC is another piece of crap. That's what we call them in the magazine <laughs> world. Crap, yeah. Because everything was cheap Chinese and horrible. Mm, but they had clears when everyone wanted to get rid of the Yeah, they had the Altezas. That was a thing. Ooh, Alteza. Alteza? Yep. Was Toyota. it just a made-up brand? No. Toyota Alteza oh. was the IS of Japan, and it had was the first production car that kind of had that style oh, of chrome with the clear and the, uh, the red lights. And so everybody wanted the quote-unquote Alteza-style taillights. And APC brought them. They sure did. All foggy and everything after your first car wash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, moving right along. Also, Brad DeBerdy and his dad, who I believe owned Trans Billet Grills from a few years ago. They mm -hmm. seem like a good pair. They, they have, let me pause you right there. I spoke to Brad and his father about a week and a half ago. I've spoken to them twice at SEMA, and they said any time, and then we never followed up. Um, and I did the same thing about two weeks ago, and they're in. And we haven't followed up. It says, uh, they seem like a good pair, and the tie-in of mini truckers never seem to hurt. I'm sure you guys will come up with tons of great content, and hopefully some more relaxed rains will allow the juices to flow. Uh Unfortunate phrasing. Anyway, I know you are working on the merch game. I would ask that you try to include 3XL, 4XL for some of your bigger fans. Might be tough to stock, but pre-sales help. Just saying. Also, I prefer a flex fit hat over snapback, mainly because I can't stand the gap between the forehead and the face of the hat. Just food for thought. By the way, uh, Patrick, I'm in the exact same way. I only wear flex fit hats. I do not wear snapbacks at all, ever. I refuse to. Yeah, I had to make ones, uh, truck show podcast ones, just for Holman. Yep, that's the only way I wear it. And it's actually replaced my quote-unquote purple four-wheeler hat that everybody uh, laughs at that has been on my head for 15 years. It and wasn't purple. It was some kind of weird brown no, stain color. No, it's blue. It's a light blue because of the UV. I don't know what it is anymore. Well, it's, it's not it's a normal, it's not a show. naturally occurring color, I'll tell it's you that. Not. It's been uh, to four continents. It's been all over the world. It's been in free temperatures, the hottest temperatures in the desert. It's uh, protected my head for a number of years, and now my covering of choice is my brand new Truck Show Podcast Flex Fit hat, which uh, I'm hoping we can offer on the uh, on the merch site. He continues, speaking of food, with the location being uh, relocated to the backyard, maybe some TSP barbecue for an, any in-studio guests. TSP, TSP branded, barbecue sauce. That's what he said, TSP branded Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce? Mm. Hmm. Uh, okay. I don't hate that idea. I don't hate it but, either. Uh, I don't like. We it should either. team it's up with Gringo Bandito, Dexter from Offspring. Uh, he's Gringo H Bandito. He's HP. Uh, well, he's not anymore. I mean, he lives, lives in Havasu. His businesses. Yeah, it is. 
I know the yeah, guy that runs it. It's right off Warner. Well, then right. maybe we should team up two, with him for some from here. hot sauce. Uh, he continues, I'm rambling at this point, so in any case, just have fun with it. Your combined efforts and long hours are hopefully paying off. Thank you for the continued shows and for both entertaining while teaching this gearhead way more than the specs or sales pitches, but the real BS aside honesty. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. And a Finnegan, yeah, buddy? Yeah, buddy. To the pod shed and beyond. Thanks, Patrick Hines. Thanks, buddy. Uh, appreciate we appreciate that. that. I'm going to use uh, your email to soak up the Dr. Pepper that spilled all out of my uh, soda here. New listener, thoughts on the 88 to 98 Chevy from uh, Jackson Froble. Hey, guys, my name is Jackson. I found your podcast a few days ago and love it so far. I'm not sure if you've done a segment on the 88 to 98 Chevys. And if you have, forgive me, as I haven't gotten that far. Listen to the last few episodes, then went straight to the beginning. Anyway, I'm just wondering what you guys think of the 88 to 98 OBS Chevy. I heard you mention all the other newer trucks, and that's awesome, but nothing about the OBS Chevy. Pictured below is my 98 K1500 that I've been building over the last four years. So far, I've done an old school, early 2000s Rancho 3-inch upper control arm lift, custom rear springs, three-quarter ton and one-ton springs put together, swapped out the 4L60E for an NV 4500 five-speed, yeah. 33, 12.5, 15s, an old school 15 by 10 American racing rims, a floor pan, both rockers and cab corners, front bumper, and now it's all torn apart to put a 5.3 LS in it. Anyhow, figured I'd share my project with you. Hope all is well. And for lightning, chill, bro. Lights are supposed to melt the snow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I like this guy. Five stars as usual, and that's from the hills of Vermont, Jackson Froebel. P.S. Please excuse the disaster of my garage. Feel free to post on your Facebook page if you like. And that is a pretty damn sweet truck. It's hard to tell in black and white on these printouts, but the engine looks pretty uh, pretty nice as well. So congrats well, on the build. It's an LS. It's an L, yeah. Congrats. Listen. On the uh, on the build, there. That's buddy. awesome. We love uh, OBS Chevys. I think the uh, 88 to 98 is a modern classic for them. It's one of the best trucks out there, except for that stupid off-center steering wheel. Uh, but they had definitely the, uh, if not the best interiors, they had a decent interior as, toward the end of that run. And obviously, the uh, Chevy small block was a staple in that platform for its entire existence. Uh, just, I, I, w- I think that truck with an LS is awesome. So, uh, yeah, dude, kudos to you. All right, I got this one from uh, Peter T. says, New Year, New Use. Lighting Holman, congrats on ownership of the podcast and Truck Famous LLC. I dropped a fry. I heard the jingle in my head each time you said it. Looking forward to the new merch. The timing is right to add to my Warren Truck Show podcast shirt from the old <coughs> cough, Motor Trend Cough Shop. Uh, good luck on the new things to come. I also dislike the name Podshed, but I don't know a better option. Pod Shop? Cast Shop? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Keep up the good work and mounter those parameters. Peter, P.S., add me to the newsletter. So uh, we'll, we'll ask you guys when the newsletter gets up. We're trying to get everything set up right now, uh, but there will be a, a newsletter probably through uh, MailChimp or something like that. So uh, as soon as uh, we're up and running with our new uh, infrastructure, we'll make that happen. And then... Uh, <laughs> you call it an infrastructure. Yeah, that's what it is, our, our infrastructure of the business, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the other thing is uh, when you guys are asking about have we ever talked about this make or that make a truck and, and about them, uh, we're working on some really cool podcast spinoffs and extensions that, that we'll tell you about when it's closer, but I think you guys will be pretty stoked with what we come out with. So i uh, got a few things brewing. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be this show. There'll be some other cool stuff in there as well that hopefully will make you laugh and uh, and keep you educated. Hold on, let me put right, you got to stop eating french fries for a minute. I'm going to. Hold long on. enough to read uh, one sentence from one Ray. Second. All right. Podshed? Nay, nay. <laughs> uh, that's from RB. Oh, Podcave? He suggests, and no. The answer is no. Um, <clears throat> I don't like pod, shed, pod cave. 
pod garage. I don't like pod anything. I think it's all dumb. Well, thanks, Ray. So far, uh, pod uh, pod shed is what's trending, and I don't most like people, it. most listeners, have been referring to it as because you started it. That's right. Just because it, it it's bad doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's bad, it doesn't, doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. All right, great. Hey, uh, truck show likes uh, Blake. Prickett says, uh, hey, Lighting and Holman, I wanted to get in on that newsletter for sure. I like the truck news section and to hear y'all's opinion on trucks coming out and old trucks. I have two questions for y'all as well. What's the better motor option in the F-150, 3.5 EcoBoost or 5-liter Coyote? Also, what are some of the mods that y'all think truck owners should stop doing? Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And thank you all for a great show. And that comes from uh, Blake Prickett. Uh, I think the 3.5 EcoBoost and 5-liter Coyote are for two different customers. I think if I had to say the Gen 1 trucks that had that option against each other, I'd probably go 5-liter Coyote. Uh, I think if you're towing a lot, the Coyote, uh, to me, is better because it's got more displacement. The peak power numbers aren't as much as the EcoBoost, but you also don't have to worry about those turbos and the EGTs and things like that if you're towing close to uh, your your towing gross combined weight rating limit. Uh, if you're towing mild trailers, medium, uh, and you want a little bit better fuel economy, I think the 3.5 EcoBoost is great. Obviously, the tuning potential of the EcoBoost is there. On the current trucks, I still think the 5-liter is a great choice. Again, it, it comes down to what your use case is. And if you're into modding, they both have some really great solutions. You can buy a tune, as Holman uh, alluded there, for the 3.5. And for the 5.0, you can put a Whipple on it. I mean, the sky's the limit for both of them. Yeah, I think, do you, for me, I'd rather have the uh, the V8 sound and the... Fuel economy is better in the 3.5. Yeah, the, yeah, I would agree with that, as long as you're not in boost. But the second you're in boost, like towing a big trailer up a grade, yeah, uh, three, three five tanks compared but, to the 5 liter. are you buying a 3.5... To pull a twenty-seven yes. foot travel trailer? Not Absol- really. Absolutely, you are. Yeah, really. That's Ford's premium engine. That's their top line engine. Is I that? get it, but like, if aren't you're bu- you buying your like a, you're getting a a three liter Duramax before you're gonna get an Eco? Not if you're tell. not if you're not a GM person. Well, then be a GM person. Well, that's that wasn't <laughs> the question. And this email from uh, Ryan Evans, and now this is largely just a photo. And it's a it's Beamer a, truck. <laughs> it's a BMW. It's kind of rad. That is yeah. a, a BMW 3 Series, mm-hmm. uh, what's referred to as the E30 body style, and everything from the B pillar back is a pickup truck, and it has a roof rack on it or a, a, a cab over, you know, rack over the bed portion, and it has what is those probably 18s with performance tires. I'm going to say those are 17s. It looks awesome. Why I never thought an E30 could look so cool. Someone do that? Why? I, I don't, don't know, but it, I'm not. I don't hate it. But that, that took a lot of work to do this. Yeah, and I still don't hate it. Look at the back. He's got a tubular bumper in the back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that thing's rad. Actually, he took. Yeah, he took off the plastic he, and and just well, you remember wrapped those, a piece of no, uh, no, no, no. You remember DOM around it? No, no, no. You remember those E30s had a metal bumper. It wasn't part of the body styling. Oh, that's right. And so, so he just he, unbolted it and put on the off. tube. Yeah. Huh. BMW truck. Huh. Rock on. All right. Uh, yourself. Enough of these uh, letters. What do you say? We get into some news, right? What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? I mean, there's so much to talk about. So uh, I guess, uh, did you hear about any of it? Nope. 
Did you just? <laughs> you didn't even do a sound clip there. That was literally you fighting off Wiener Schnitzel, trying to come out of your body. It was Wiener Schnitzel or your body. One no, of the two were. One no. was rejecting the other. I don't know which way. But, but that was hilarious. It was, normally, it was normally play out of my mouth or my pores. You know, never, normally, you would play, play a drop, and uh-huh. you didn't. You just went. Bruh. You just nope. had sound, and you tried to form it into a no, and it was not successful. Uh, it was hilarious. No, I have not heard. I'm going to play a All drop right. on the next one. Okay. Uh, Ram Revolution concept uh, got announced at CES. What'd Posted you think? it on our Facebook page. What'd you think? think? I really like it. It's uh, four wheel steering, two motors. Uh, it is envisioned to have a you know 500 mile range, but the concept didn't have the gas range extender, which I'm told is coming to the production version. Really? So I don't know if it's 500 miles from a charge or 500 miles total when you take into the gas engine. And it has a 800-volt architecture where most of the EVs today are 400-volt, which means faster charging, things like that. So on the right equipment, you can get 100 miles in 10 minutes. So that's a big thing for, for RAM, you know, kind of like how you can fast charge your iPhone, you know, in the for like 70% in 30 minutes or something like that. Similar kind of idea on the uh, Revolution. Less grill, more LEDs. There's LEDs everywhere, including mm-hmm. the RAM logo on the door. Well, I'm not hearing how you felt about it because I... I'm getting there. Really liked it. And this is, again, from a guy who is, I guess I own a Ram, but I, I'm traditionally not a big Ram fan, meaning I'm not a, a Ram homer, but this is good looking. And I like some of the styling cues they pulled in. I feel like they took a little bit of the Rivian and a little bit of the Cybertruck. I, I know you're going to say no. I don't see Rivian and I don't uh, see Cybertruck at all. I, I, what I, I see, see the Rivian. I see the GMs for sure. Where the, where I see Badger. Band. I oh. see Nikola Badger. Oh, I do see Badger. I don't see Cybertruck. Oh my God, at you're all. right. And Badger, I'd forgotten. And about it doesn't that. even look like a Ram to me. Like if if we're sitting there looking at a Ram, or somebody showed me and it had no logos on it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say Ram. Like nothing about it screams Ram. It doesn't have the drop fenders on it. It's beautiful. One of the magazines called it brutal. Like, brutally beautiful, which mm. I think is probably good. It's super aggressive. It's got 35-inch tires. It's on 24s. And the little Ram center caps stay level like a Rolls-Royce when you drive. That's cool. Which is kind of cool. There's a lot of interesting stuff. It's long and mean-looking, but it's actually only four inches longer than, I think, a mega cab uh, in terms of the cab. And it's on the STLA frame, which wait, is wait, the- Don't blow that off. Like, the mega cab is freaking monstrous. Well, it's but, huge. The, but this thing has such a short overhang on it compared to a regular Ram because it doesn't have the engine that they kind of moved everything forward. So you still have a similar bed space and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's on the STLA frame, which is their skateboard, but it's a it's a steel frame, like a body-on-frame truck. So it's their body-on-frame architecture for heavy-duty things and you know all their heavy-duty vehicles and SUVs. It's long and mean. It's cool. I just don't know if it's Ram. And when you say long and mean... You can put an 18-foot 2x4 all the way well, down a, the center of it. It has a pass-through. It's got a mid-gate. It's got a uh, gate to the frunk in the front, although the frunk's a lot smaller than some of the other vehicles. And this is only a two-motor, where Rivian's a four-motor, and you can get a three-motor in an F-150. Uh, is two-motor enough? I don't know. This That's just it's the concept. There's a lot of concepty stuff on there. That I guess it depends what type of motors and... I, yeah, this has four-wheel steering up to a 15 Four motors degree. does not equal better, necessarily. No, no, but I mean, I'm just saying on the spec sheet, that's what all the truck guys are arguing about, right? Is, well, I got four motors here too. Well, might make this much power, well, you know, whatever. The benefit of four motors is when you have one per axle or half shaft is you can control things a lot better. You yeah, can do like tank yeah, turn right. and things like that. So that's where the real benefit comes in on there. It's got a flexible interior, removable center console. It's got jump seats affixed to the mid gate, which you can remove 
and put them on the tailgate for tailgating. It also effectively makes this a three-row truck, which is kind of crazy. So you, I wouldn't put full-size adults back there, but it's like the old mid-size, you know, uh, extra cabs from the, you know, the 90s right. with the uh, with the jump seat. So that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. That could really come in handy. So there's no gauges on it. It's all augmented reality in the windshield, which I don't think truck guys are really going to love not having gauges. Truck guys like gauges, so as we know. Uh, the steering wheel disappears. It's a level three autonomous if you want it to be. Again, that's a show car thing. It's probably, I could see it coming. Ford's teased a van concept with the disappearing steering wheel where the uh, the rim goes uh, horizontal and then the whole thing slides into the dash or out of the way or it makes a little desktop for your computer. It's got little tiny, tiny mirrors. So no toe ears on it because it mm-hmm. has uh, cameras. They're 3D printed. Uh, it has what they call in 3D floor. printed? Yep. The mirrors are 3D printed. Huh. Uh, the floor has Ram tracks, which remind me of what the Badger setup was going to be from Nikola when the, he talked about the aerospace kind of tracks in the, the floor. The floor in, not in the bed, the floor in the in, cab. In the cab. They're stacked 14-inch screens in the center. They can be put together to make a 28-inch screen, <laughs> or the 14.2-inch lower screen can pop out and become like a, a tablet for doing cool things outside the truck, like their uh, shadow mode, where it'll follow you. So if you have no way, you know, all sorts of I don't know equipment you're repairing a fence line, for example. You, you mean can, like a drone, the way a drone has follow? Yes, mode? exactly. So you could walk along a fence line, and it can carry all the equipment and follow you like oh, a, like a uh, mule, like a, like a puppy dog. Again, it did not have the range-extending gas engine, so we'll have to see what's uh, what's up with that. Uh, I don't have any specs on that. They didn't really, you know, tell a, much about power or, or any of that kind of stuff. The suicide doors, good for concept, not for production. They've said it's basically going to be a crew cab pickup truck, mm. so don't expect that. Uh, there's an I can't remember. Was there a B pillar or not? No B pillar. Okay. And one of the cool things. So there will be a B pillar. There will be a B pillar. Okay. So it has this cool app that can uh, tell if the load that is on the ground will fit in the truck, and then like Tetris will tell you how to arrange it. So if you're going to your buddy's house to help him move, and he's got a big couch, it'll be like, no, that couch doesn't fit. So it's using one of the existing apps you can get, like the the App Store for no, Apple. It's using its and own RAM in in the vehicle. It's all it comes with that. What I'm saying though is, you can get an app right now on your phone today, where you can look at a. a well, hell, you were doing the studio, weren't you? Measuring with no, your phone, right? I'm measuring, but it's looking at the size, the depth. The, I can measure from point A to point B, but I can't say if this big cubic couch with oh. complex angles and turns is going to fit in the space of the truck. I gotcha. So oh, there's there's okay. some cool tech. I, I don't know how much of it will make it to uh, production. I guess it's revolutionary. It had to be. They're late to the party behind Lightning and, and Silverado. Everybody online was saying, well, it's an F-150 Lightning competitor. I disagree. I think it's more of a Silverado competitor because of the mid-gate and the uh, battery architecture. Isn't it a Rivian competitor? Uh, a Rivian's a s- much smaller truck, okay. so I would say no. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at EV, I guess, but no, the the, the real competitor is going to be the Hummer and the uh, the Silverado and the Sierra EVs. Um, the F-150 is more of a traditional truck like we know it today. I think it's a stopgap uh, from what the manufacturers are thinking. I actually prefer it because it still is a traditional two-box pickup design, and all the F-150 accessories that fit in the bed fit in this. None of the RAM accessories that fit in the bed today will work on this truck. Gotcha. And one last cool thing is if you notice the uh, the tailgate was barn doors, and what they if you imagine the 60-40 split tailgate today where you can open up each side independently or it can fold down like a tailgate, it's similar to that, but the split is in the middle. So what's cool is it'll open out to 90 degrees, and then a, a panel drops down to extend the bed floor 
all the way out to the oh end. Oh my lord. So that, then you basically get a long bed, but it's not by a cage or the top of the tailgate. The tailgate slides open, you know, like out, like 90 degrees, 90 degrees out. Sure. Two, like two tables fold down for the floor. It's kind of like the one in the back of your Jeep. It, kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's really innovative. There's a lot of really cool stuff. I'm sure you would love the uh, capacitive glass roof that can uh, turn, you know, various levels of tint. It's got, you know, some of the cool interior modes when parked, you know, all that stuff. So is it a truck? Yeah, I guess it's a truck. I think it's cool. Uh, I think it's maybe cooler than what GM showed with the Silverado, but GM showed a production version and Ram showed a wild out there concept with a bunch of stuff that isn't quite ready for prime time. So let's see what the real truck is going to be. But I think there's a lot of uh, excitement and buzz around it. How much do you think will actually make it to production? Uh, I would say 75%. Okay. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. The uh, guy with the overloaded uh, Ram 3500 where the uh, frame broke in the middle. I saw that about camper. 75 times. Yeah. I, I figured we should probably talk about it mm-hmm. because uh, I also saw it at least 75 times, maybe I, 475 I love times. how it happens to a dude. And everyone extrapolates that all Ram trucks break in the middle. <laughs> right at the... Wait, right they, where the, they don't? Uh, see? Exactly. So here, here's what's interesting about the truck. And, and this is... <clears throat> the reason I bring this up is, is not to make fun of that guy or not to sensationalize. Oh, my God. The Ram duly broke. It's that you guys really have to understand gross vehicle weight ratings. While this guy had hauled, you know, I guess he said the Rocky Mountains, Pacific Northwest, Baja, 25,000 miles in a 3,500 Dually. He had a Eagle Cap 1165 since new. He said he had no issues until apparently he did. He said the payload on the capacity of the truck was 7,800 pounds and the camper dry weight was close to 5,000 pounds, fully loaded, probably at 6,500. So he was thinking he's way under, right? Mm -hmm. And that number happens to be for the regular cab gas 3,500 dually, not the Cummins 3,500 dually. Oh. And so the- Well, what does that do to the frame right there in the center? Like, I don't really understand- Because that's where all the the weight is. Wait a minute, the Cummins is all the way in the front of the truck. The frame, yeah, exactly. So if you took a straw Mm -hmm. and you held it between two fingers- and you had a fulcrum in the middle, and you loaded each end, where's it going to bend? Oh, the center. Right in the center. Got it. So the real max payload on his particular truck, again, a 4x4 diesel dually, was 5,850 pounds. Well short of what he thought of the 7,680 pounds. So as of this point, Mopar said, no go on warranty because you were way overweight. And he's going, no, this is the weight. And they said, not for that one. And uh, when you had- it says it in the owner's manual. The camper itself- was 4,900 pounds empty. So plus a week's worth of gear and, you know, all the fluids and everything, you can see he's way over. He's at least 1,000, maybe more. Did anyone write that story? Uh, there's been several, yeah, several uh, different outlets. The Drive was one of them. Which sucks because by the time they write that up, that would have been something that you corrected. You're like, oh, that's BS, and here's the real deal. But by, by the time your story gets out, everyone just has already made up their mind that the Ram 3500 is weak sauce. Yeah, and it not, has nothing to do with that. He, the, the Ram failed after 25,000 miles of being 1,000 to 1,500 pounds overloaded. That sounds pretty awesome to me. I hadn't really thought of it like that until you described, like, I, I'm seeing like a teeter-totter, right? We've just simply got too much weight on either side, and it snaps in the middle. 
And I mean, that's essentially what happened yeah. was it, it was way over overweight. And you got to remember, you're going off-road, which he was, and then Baja roads, all that vibration, mm-hmm. all, you know, you're... You know those axle loads. All it takes down. is a weld to start weakening, right? Well, I don't even think there's a weld there, but they they had welded a plate on the frame at some point, I think, to try and fix the the crack temporarily, and then that also has the possibility if you weld it wrong on a heat treated frame of of causing the frame to be even weaker. Yeah. Than it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see there's a plate in the photos where it's cracked along the plate. I I didn't know that. Where where did that come out that he had tried to repair it? Uh, it's in the all the articles on the on the internet, there's Got like it. three okay. or four outlets. If you just search for it, like I said, the drive is one of them, uh, and there's plenty of pictures that uh, the the owner provided. I guess his name is uh, Mike Pavel or Pavel P A V E L. You know, I'd I'd be interested in hearing more about his story, but uh, yeah, he provided plenty of photos. You can just see how massive Saw that camper that. is. That is the biggest camper you can put on a truck. Holy crap! But he was pretty proud. I mean, look, he was look. He posted the snot out of it because he wanted Ram to pay, right? And I don't know that it helps him or not because mm-hmm. once you figure out, you know, the, the weight and the internet sleuths kind of figured out he when was, whoa, he was in the wrong. You're yep. over. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Uh, Tesla has apparently uh, backtracked on making standard the uh, yoke, and so on the uh, S and X, you can go back to a steering wheel now. Thank God. Which means on the Cybertruck, they, I'm sure they'll have a steering wheel. Steering well, wheel, yeah. Because yokes suck. Hey, lighting! Did you hear? I want to go into uh, sales because there's some pretty cool numbers coming out. Um, you should stick with the podcast. You're not a great salesman. I'm an awesome salesperson. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. So uh, Ford Maverick outsold the Hyundai Santa Cruz by more than double. Oh so my lord! The and Maverick, Santa Cruz is a pretty popular truck. Mavericks. Oh, did I call everywhere. the truck Trucklet? Trucklet uh, or a sport utility truck? Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been seeing the uh, the Mavericks all over the place. I've seen a few Santa Cruzes starting to pop up around here. I think we're lucky in Southern California because we literally see everything before everybody else does. And um, Hyundai sold 36,480 units of the Santa Cruz. That's actually pretty darn good. But Ford sold 74,370. <laughs> I mean, people must just it love that truck. It was a runaway and is a runaway success. Yeah, I don't even know if you can get one without a markup right now. I don't think you can get one for the base price. Have around you 20, seen 000. one on a dealer lot? Because I have not. I may have seen one or two, like in the a markup, right? Yeah, yeah, but not not out and about. Yeah. And you know that would be something that I think is a great beginner car for somebody or just a cheap uh, around town. And I I desperately wanted to hate it, and I I didn't. Yeah. All right. So moving on from uh, the Maverick sales to the midsize sales, some actual great news for uh, Nissan and the Frontier because we have talked about this before. The Frontier is all over the place. I saw three more today. Uh, I actually saw a young girl, look like high school age, mm-hmm. driving a King Cab Red base model S. Was she hot? No, she wasn't hot. She was in high school. Oh, high school. Sorry, I didn't. What's wrong with you? I didn't. Accidentally offensive. Accidentally That's offensive, where that t-shirt yes. comes in. Well, because chicks are hotter when they drive trucks. You know that, right? That's the rule. All right, Lightning, moving she, right along. You here. can be 18 in high school. You understand that, right? I, I'm not going down that road with you. All right. You are all alone. <laughs> I'm not saying You're all not alone. Saying all right, so the Toyota Tacoma came in at a whopping 237,323 trucks, mm-hmm. but that's a 6% decline from last year. Hey, listen, light bars on the road are illegal, buddy. 
right in our eyes. Right, Thanks. Some Thanks guy, for nothing. Uh, drove by with a light bar, and now lightning's yelling at him. Versus turn on your headlights, now turn off your light bars. He's got People a light are bar. confused, dude. I, if I was a cop, I'd pull the guy over. Well, you're not. Turn your you're light bar off. Sitting in a parking lot in head. a uh, Titan XD yep. with me. Sweating out chili. <laughs> uh, Chevy Colorado sold 89197 That's a, a plus 22% from last year. Any breakdown of the engine? And the GMC Canyon sold 27819 which is up 15%. So together, the GM Twins came in number two okay. at 117016 for a 20% increase year over year. Next up is the uh, Jeep Gladiator, 77855 it was a 13% drop from last year, but still, 77,000 is is a pretty tight Selfie, number. Yeah. And then the Nissan Frontier, next up, 76,183. That's a 25.5% increase from last year. Because it's a badass truck and the redesign is really well executed. 76,000. I mean, they, they're behind the Jeep Gladiator by like 1,500. That's it. What would it take to push them up in the rankings? I would I mean, like to see just, a, a even further, you know, done off-road model. Okay. I think a Pro 4X Plus or something would be awesome. Well, and the Nismo parts aren't really in the market yet. They're just trickling in, correct? You can get them. You can get the Nismo stuff. Yeah, there's new stuff trickling in all the time, but I would love to see a Nismo version of that truck that has, you know, a, a 33 or 34 on it and all the, you know, the Bilstein shocks. I mean, shocks they need the, the halo to really yeah. hit the, uh, like, magazines. So, and, so look at Ford uh, Ranger. Ford Ranger has those halo vehicles, but they were down 39%. They dropped from 94,755 to 57,005. Yeah, but you're not a Ranger fan, are you? I guess you are a little bit. It's okay. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I don't like the interior. It feels like a, uh, uh, I know there's a lot of Ranger fans out there, but it feels like an economy car on the inside. And it's really soft and mushy, the suspension, the seats. It's just, I don't, it's not just not my style. And I've owned three Rangers in my path. I just don't like the current body style. They're just, eh. And then the uh, Honda Ridgeline came in at 42762 is actually up 3%. So those people have no taste. So, uh, you know Rick Young, right? Okay. He used to work for banks way back in the day, that Rick Young. Okay. No, you know Rick Young. You yes, were... I'm saying, okay, okay well, continue you, your you story. You me off like you didn't know who, really who he was. Anyway, he's, he's back at banks and he parks in front. It's Ridgeline. In a freaking Ridgeline. And we're like, you know, that's that's not okay, right? He goes, what are you talking about? He said, he goes, I, I parked my truck out front. We go, that's not a truck. You can't work here with that. <sighs> and he thought we were joking and it was serious. Like, and bro. So what did you guys do? I'm putting the pressure on him. I want him to sell. Did you egg his car? No, I'm, I would did never you, egg a vehicle. You, did you let all the uh, air out of his tires? I did. <laughs> that, way, that way the truck you didn't want parked in front of banks couldn't go anywhere? No, no, no. I waited till he moved it and parked it elsewhere, <laughs> I and then see. I let all the air out. All right, uh, so- I also put a banana in his tailpipe. The 20, okay, Beverly Hills cop. <laughs> Jeez. He's like, 1980s are calling. <laughs> 2022 full-size uh, SUV sales were uh, kind of some interesting numbers here. Oh, okay, wait, wait hold on okay. a second. You said 2022 SUV sales, mm -hmm. right? All right. I'm going to guess that the number one selling SUV last year mm -hmm. was, oh, I want to say a Tahoe, but I know it's not. You're right. Toyota Land Cruiser sold 48. Know, right. Okay, wow. 48. <laughs> 48? That's because that was the last year of it oh, in the U.S. Year? Okay. <laughs> but it's on the list. Ah, all right. What was the best? Give me just a moment here. What was the best? That's right, Lighting. What's the number one? Chevy Tahoe. It is the Tahoe. 105,000. Oh, I said it wasn't, and it is. Pre Damn it. Pretty flat from last year, and down to the douchebag with his light bars again. Next, GMC Yukon at 82,304. Oh, he minus, almost crashed. Minus, Did you see that? Minus two point. We're doing a show. I know, but he almost hit that Stop. rover. Nobody can see. 
but you. Can we finish this? All right, go ahead. GMC Yukon, 82,304, down 2%. Ford Expedition, 62,000, uh, down 24%. Dodge Durango at 55,000, down 16. Chevy Suburban up 5% at 50. Cadillac Escalade, 40,000. They're down half a percent, but check this out. The new Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer coming in at 36,219. First year in the market. Up basically 577% for its first full year versus the previous partial year. It's spendy, though. I don't know yeah, if it's, it's ever going to be number one. No, I don't I, I don't think they expect it to be number one. It's You're not right. their volume. It's I think that's, way, that's Grand Cherokee for that. Dude, the, uh, the Tahoe? I mean, can you uh, even, 80, 90,000 now. Say, can you get into a Tahoe mm, for under 60? I'd have, it would be a pile with nothing. So I lied to you and told you that was Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer mm-hmm. sales. No, they're broken out here. 36,219 was just Wagoneer. Jeep Grand Wagoneer was another 11,700. So together, uh, they were uh, 47,000 or so. That, so that would be uh, together more than the Escalade and just short of the Suburban. So for a first year product, that's pretty good. Yeah. And that's only the short wheelbase. They just released the long wheelbase uh, this, you know, a couple months ago. So that's pretty incredible. All right. So uh, Lincoln Navigator next at 13,206. So nowhere near the uh, the Jeeps and the, uh, the Caddy. Minus 15% Nissan Armada, 11,923. That's a minus 47%. Infiniti QX80, 7,206, minus 42%. Toyota Sequoia, 5,314. But that's because the old model was coming out and the new oh, one's coming in, so I'm sure that'll continued. change. Yeah. And then the Lexus LX at 3,600. All right, and the last thing uh, to report on sales is the fact that Ford F-Series is uh, continuing its U.S. sales dominance. Uh, despite the uh, supply chain and uh, vehicles being hard to uh, hard to come by, in 2022, an average of at least one F-Series truck sold every 49 seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, Ford ended up uh, claiming best-selling truck for 46 consecutive years and the best-selling vehicle in America for 41 years. And, of course, that includes the F-150, 250, 350. Uh, they sold over 640,000 trucks last year. How many did they sell during this podcast? Uh, well, I don't know how long it is yet, but figure uh, one a minute. Quite a few. So at least uh, probably 100. Holy crap. But again, it's not fair that they're combining all the trucks. Do you think? Like the, the F-150, 250, 54, 55, sure. Really? Yeah. Just lump them all together? It's all a full-size truck. I know. But... GM does the same thing. The only thing GM does differently is they don't combine Chevy and GMC. If they combine Chevy and GMC... Some years they beat Ford or they're right up there with, well, with them. Ford doesn't combine the Lincoln. Well, I guess Lincoln hasn't. You're undoing your own argument right yeah, now. Yeah, you're right. All right, just let's move on. Oh, Lightning, yep. what, what's wrong with you? A lot. Okay, and the uh, the last thing. This one's just for you. Did you see the uh, the special edition of the TRX, the, the last one that just came out? The bright yellow one. The Havoc. Yeah. Now, before you get into the Havoc. Okay. I'm not saying that this is the majority of TRX owners by any means, but... Okay, here he comes, everybody. Something offensive is about to come out. He prefaced it. Go ahead. The 23 has the digital instrument cluster. Okay. Okay. I was watching guys over the last week or two weeks, because people are taking possession of the 23s now, all right? And they're showing their digital dash, and you can change the modes on your dashboard as opposed to doing it on the 12-inch screen like I have, right? Anyway, guys are going... Oh my God, I love the dash. I'm going to trade in my 22 for a 23 to get that dashboard. And I thought... Oh, good for him, if that's the case. But And, and there, some of these guys are serious. I like gauges. I still like a mechanical sweeping gauge. I like it too, but it just says a lot that, about some that of these guys. It wouldn't just, be enough for me to The trade. truck is just pure vanity. Yeah, and lose all, you know, the 20 grand or something. Although the resale value of those have been pretty darn good. 
So the uh, 2023 Ram Havoc Edition is uh, in a bright new yellow color. Uh, it's still the same 702 horsepower, uh, but it's got a lot of yellow. So the uh, headlining feature is the bold Baja yellow exterior paint. You also get graphics, 18-inch wheels that are black, dual paint sunroof, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Inside the interior gets Prowler yellow accent stitching. And then uh, you get the uh, carbon fiber accents on the dash as well. I mean, it's the same as my truck, just yeah, with a digital with dashboard yellow. and yellow. Yeah. Yep. There's also a Havoc Edition badge uh, right in the middle of the center console. There's also a uh, Havoc Edition badge on the center console rather than the uh, regular old uh, TRX uh, badge. And then under the hood, the, uh, the dinosaur is bleeding yellow. Is that true? No. Oh. I just thought it was funny. Uh, this truck gets the TRX Level 2 equipment group. Uh, it features the 19-speaker Harman Kardon premium sound system, and uh, it gets a bunch of other options that are pretty much a, a clone of your truck. Mm -hmm. uh, You've got to get the 19-speaker system, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. If you get the Level 1, you instantly regret it. I'm just by the telling way, you, don't do that. Get the Level 2. Price. What do you think the price is? Uh, I think the Havoc is going for sticker is... Ninety-nine-five, one hundred six-four-forty-five. Oh my lord, so, Becky! Look at that butt. Listen, if it uh, if it's yellow, it must have real gold in the paint or something. Mm. All right, starting I'm the engine, firing up the old Titan. We're getting out of here. We uh, had our chili dogs, our wiener schnitzel. We've uh, mm -hmm. reconnected with our favorite uh, worst fast food uh, in the neighborhood. I got to be honest. I'm not sure if the chili dogs are going to come up or go down. Lightning uh, <laughs> has been uh, treated to the Nissan Titan XD, which I think he probably forgot how much he liked. I do. I think it's uh, quiet, powerful, luxurious, uh, roomy. Oh, hold on. That's me. And it's uh, it's good at notifying you that you're not. And it's your full belt. of safe features yeah. like lighting. Put your seatbelt yeah, on. Hold on a second. You got to stop. I we don't have time. No. We I got a we mic have... between my knees here, buddy. We have places to go. Where are we going? Home. All right. So, what do you guys think of the uh, first episode of the second season truck show podcast? The one from inside our new mobile podcast studio, mm -hmm. filled with uh, leather and premium materials. Unlike Lightning and Holman. I don't know what that means. <laughs> we're, we're not leather and filled with premium materials. Okay, well, that's <laughs> still weird. All right, well, if you're looking for a new truck, then head on down to your local Nissan dealer or go to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price a Titan or Titan XD. Take advantage of the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty or check out the Nissan Frontier, which is uh, one of the fastest-growing midsize trucks on the market today. And if you haven't seen the redesign, I don't know what rock you're living under. It is gorgeous. All right, Lightning. So uh, what if I have a truck already, but it doesn't give me all the data I'm looking for? It doesn't have one of those really cool digital configurable displays, and I need more. Well, my good friend Holman, you head over to bankspower.com and you check out the iDash Super Gauge or the iDash Data Monster. They're identical with the addition of a data recording feature in the data monster. Basically, the gauges are a diagnostic device. You can read and clear codes. You can display up to 40 gauges across five customizable screens. Go to bankspower.com and check out the most cost-effective gauge you've ever seen. All right, well, hopefully you guys loved the uh, first show of the uh, new season mm -hmm. of the Truck nope, Show Podcast. Nope. It was a big letdown. And uh, we want to hear from you. So truckshowpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can follow us on the socials, which we promise to be more active on uh, going forward. But it's been a little bit busy lately. But you can follow us uh, at Sean P. Holman, at LBC Lighting, or at Truck Show Podcast. And uh, we want to hear from you. Of course, you can always leave a message. Five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. Okay, Holman. How do you feel about a street takeover 
with the Nissan Titan XD Platinum Reserve. I mean, are you talking about doing intersection donuts? <laughs> yes, I am. No, we're not going to do that. Why not? Uh, I just checked with ownership, and they said no. You're the owner. He said no. <laughs> what? You can't veto everything I come up with. I'm only vetoing the dumb ideas. Listen, here's the deal. Nissan has been far too good to this podcast for us to go out and do uh, reckless behavior like that and to uh, put a stain on our relationship <laughs> with them by treating their vehicles in a reckless manner. Really? Yeah. Really. No. Come on. Let's do it. You still recording? Yeah. Just just kill the mic for a sec. <laughs> yes. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.